All right. Well, this is a Cleveland Moto podcast. We're going to start small and see who shows up. Right now, it's just going to be us. Uh, to my right, Dustin. And to my left, Johnny Chrome. And your, your uh, as usual, humble narrator, Phil Waters. So You had to think about that for a I minute. I did have to think. I had to give it a moment of thought. I've had a long day, you know? Were you running on your aliases uh, today? I was, yeah. I was definitely operating under aliases today. The uh, A lot of times, a lot of people call the shop, and I'm like, no, Phil's not here. This is Kevin. Can I help you? <laughs> there we go. What was, the, what was the name of the album? And then there were three. And then there were three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're drinking Genesis. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're drinking a, a ooh, Shiner, which instead of drinking Shiner Bach, mm. we're drinking Shiner Holiday Cheer. And uh, not being a big fan of holiday beers, mm-hmm. I am a big fan of this. Shiner Holiday Cheer. Oh, that is this tasty. Is really I'll good. Stick with my normal champagne. The champagne. Mm. Yeah. The champagne avails. It's really delicious. That is it, man. Yeah. That is a That's, good holiday. It's not beer. ridiculously over the top nutmeg. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's it's, it's not spicy. It's got a little it's bit of a cranberry to it. It okay. does. Yeah. Well, it's holiday little, cheer. Yeah. Exactly. It's a little more berry tasting. I don't have my glasses, so I can't really read it so effectively, but it is one of my. This is one of my absolute... It's like Rolling Rock with a little bit of an oomph to it. It's kind of like... <laughs> they call it a uh, Bavarian-style dark wheat, is what they what they call it. Weedy. A Bavarian-style dark wheat. Weedy. But yeah, I mean, the, the Spetzel, Spetzel Brewery Company, Shiner, Texas. Gotta it's, got love spre- it. it's got Spetzel in it? It's got a little Spetzel Fuckin in it, man. It's got a little Spetzel. They it's love Spetzel. Five four four per. 5.4%. That's not bad. Yeah. Does it get <laughs> schnitzel in there, too? Schnitzels and spetzels floating around I in got some schnitzel in my spetzel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, that sounds like a pickup line. Hey, baby, <laughs> you like a little schnitzel in your schnitzel? Yeah. They, um, I've always liked Shinerbach. It's always been one of my favorite beers. So It is a very good beer. When I get the uh, when they do the holiday cheer, this is pretty tasty. Yeah, if you enjoy the Bavarian-style lagers, Shiner is definitely yeah, a good, good quality stuff. one. Yeah, always makes me happy. It's so, yeah, we'd... Uh, oh. So after your adventure last week of transporting the PC-800, ah, yes. which really, when you think about it, PC-800, heavy bike, you know, 600-some pounds, going up into the back of a not real low to the ground, I mean, proud. I mean, that your Toyota is a proud truck. It sits up tall. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Of course, we're eating. You're a former Toyota. We're eating the official uh, snack of the podcast, which are the Dandy Corn Twisties, uh, cheesy Corn Twisties. And you can never open a bag of Corn Twisties without having one that looks like a dick. Without finding one that looks like a dick. The problem though is like a puffed corn penis. It does, and it has the balls too. The problem is though, after you start looking at them, that's all you see. Because you're just like, wow, that's just another jacked up set of dick and balls. Wow. Yeah, or another jacked up wiener. uh, That's, That's bad. Sounds like a great band name. Another jacked up wiener. Another jacked up wiener. You've got to give the whole thing in there. Another jacked up wiener. But anyway. So your truck is tall. I mean, it's not a 4x4, but it has that stance. You're familiar with it. SR5. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I've loaded no short. I'm going to best bet in the time that I've owned that truck, probably had three or 4,000 bikes loaded in and out of it. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt it. There were days, you know, there are Mondays where where that truck has seen 20 bikes loaded in and out of it. You know, on one Monday. Whore. It is a good working truck. Yeah. Those Toyotas, uh, it, uh, they earn their keep. I took one of the long um, arched ramps. Yeah. Yeah. And why? Okay, so we got to tell the listeners why arched ramps are so important. Yes. You think that a motorcycle ramp really just needs to be a 2x10 
that's eight feet long. And I suppose that could be the case if you have no problem high centering the bike you're pushing up the ramp. And the bike doesn't necessarily have to be real low. It doesn't have to be a low rider. It doesn't have to be a really super low bike. It can be a sport bike. But you don't want to find out the hard way when you jam your, you know, belly pan. It could cost a lot of money. Belly pan, kickstand. Anything. Center stand. Crossover pipes. Oil filters. Oil filters. You'll you'll high center a sport bike before anything. Yeah. And short wheel delicate base. cast aluminum oil pan <clears throat> yeah. on some bikes. You can do so much damage high centering a bike when you're loading it, and uh, it is locked. The door is locked. So the uh, so the real thing is with the arched ramp. The idea is the the ramp, and I prefer the folding arched ramps because the the ramp has a, a beautiful arch to it. And the idea is that the approach angle changes dramatically. So you do a little bit of heavy lifting getting it up the first part of the ramp. But then it's, it softens the push much, a lot. And they hardly ever bottom out. So my sort of secret weapon around here is I like the 8-foot-long folding arched ramps. Uh, normally an 8-foot-long ramp would be way too long to travel with you, but because it folds in half, then it's only 4 feet, and you can tote it with you. And usually an 8- or a 10-footer is everything you need. We got a Chris Smith! We got a Chris Smith! Merry Christmas! Yes, it's a Christmas. We're talking about the subtle nuances of loading motorcycles. Hey, that car out there has got a window down. Which one? Yeah. My little pal? Yes. And James Driver's didn't put window. the fucking window up. No? Holy shit. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Oh my god, Chris has a 18-pack well, of Strohs. And a, a bottle with them. And a bottle of Zing... Well, well. Zing-Zang, baby. Why do you have Zing-Zang and Strohs? Because they're mixers. That for Strohs? Yeah. I'm going to give you some zing-zing and a yin-yang. Come on, settle down. So, I don't believe I took the folding ramp with me. I think I took the straight one. Yeah. Um, not a big deal. I just made sure I had a strap, an extra strap to secure it. Hey, you went straight. That's all right. Excuse me. I kind of figured when I told James that the guy wasn't coming to pick the pile today, he might have put the window up when it started raining. Uh, <laughs> Or just put the window up when it started raining. The uh, <laughs> well, the good news is we caught it just in time. Clearly, just yeah, in it, time. it rained already. Just in time. It's not that bad in just in That car's there's uh, not much vert. Can I not interest much, anybody in a in a strosh? Uh, no, no, uh, no. I'm we're no having some all. delicious Christmassy beers. Fine. Yeah, sure. Take your damn strohs. Because it's not quite Halloween. Take so. your old man beer. So I didn't take the folder. I took the the straight one. The, yeah, no. Folding straight. I went straight. <laughs> Folding flat. It did the same. It did the right. same job. Right. I, mean, I took this ramp. Uh-huh. If if there were any. Uh, Good for the audio podcast. Was, right. Yeah. <laughs> all they all they know is. Right. The other here was a thumb <laughs> and, a, and, a, yeah. and a German accent. So so yeah. So eight foot long ramp. Yep. About three and a half feet up into the tailgate of the truck. Yep. And a 600-plus-pound motorcycle. 600-plus-pound motorcycle. And no fucking where to stand. One 375-pound man and one 140 if he was lucky. Oh, you had the boy with you. No. Oh, the, the dude. The seller. The, the oh, trader. Oh, the dude. Was uh, yeah. the dude. Yeah, he was tall and skinny. Okay. And, uh, well, at least you had another human with you. Because there's uh, another pro tip. The other pro tip is pretty, I mean, take two ramps. 
Because that yeah. gives you one ramp to walk up on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You are wise beyond your years. Well, I've fallen out of a few trucks. <laughs> and uh, I don't believe that for a minute. Me too, but I wasn't even loading motorcycles. <laughs> the, uh, you, you were loaded something else. No, I, was, I was loaded like something else. The other thing that we can strongly recommend, if you are going to use ramps to get a bike up in the back of a pickup tram, uh-huh. truck, uh, yeah. I once dated a pickup tramp. Pick tramp. Yeah. What if I'm trying to get a tramp in the back of a pickup truck? Well, there you have it. Use two ramps. Use, two ramps. <laughs> Use the tie-down straps. So, so you don't fall off. Use the tie-down straps and definitely secure oh, the ramps to the back of the truck. You know, just you go down to the bottom where the hitch is or go up to the gate or whatever, but put straps on that ramp so it doesn't kick out. Oh, I thought we were talking about the tramp. Yep, well, well there'd be straps some, of, some people still are. Yeah. They've got lost in the visual and they're never coming <laughs> back. But the reason is really important, especially if you're going to run the ramp, the bike up the ramp on power. Because if you're running the bike up the ramp on power, as soon as the front wheel of the motorcycle hits the bed of the truck, the back tire will kick that rear ramp, that ramp, about 15 feet. Oh, easy, yeah. Especially if you're on a concrete or asphalt parking lot. And then what you got is a very unhappy motorcycle with a spinning back tire that's about to go 12 o'clock on your ass. And a good YouTube video. Well, yeah, and where are you standing when all this happens, you know? If you're standing off to the side, I Well, if you're standing on the ramp next to it, now you're reaching down for a set of handlebars controlling a running motorcycle. In either case, if you don't go to the hospital, you're winning. uh, Trying to decide clutch brake, clutch brake, clutch brake. If you are going to use ramps, fucking use tie-down straps. Get straps on that son of a bitch. Are we recording? Uh, Pete Hempling is wide awake at 2 a.m. in South Africa. I'm wide awake at 2 a.m. in South Africa. I can phone it in. (laughs) Oh, tell him to. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. We need to hear that. Yeah, I, I think so. He's on his motorcycle trip, right? Yep. Oh, sweet. Yeah, yeah. we totally I don't think need a phone went, in. I don't think he went for a six-pack in South Africa. <laughs> right, yeah, he just ended up in South Africa by total accident. Yeah. Oh, shit, yeah. I drank too much last night. I'm right. in South Africa. I'm in South Africa. I turned left when I should have turned right. <laughs> that wrong turn in Albuquerque. I had that happen. It was, it, only <laughs> it was only Woodland. <laughs> oh. yeah. It's not Woodland. Yeah. It's Woodland. Woodhill. Woodland. It's a, Woodland. You need a Kinsman Cruiser. But <laughs> this is the thing. I've loaded... I know I've loaded more motorcycles than anybody else in this room, oh, but I think I easily. may have loaded more motorcycles than anybody on the planet. Uh, <laughs> just because a standard Monday for me is between 6 and 20 motorcycles going into the back of a pickup truck or onto a Kendon or in the back of a van or something else. And the, well, and then your standard every other day is also that. I just did just to come <laughs> here. So going to the other shop was two bikes in the back of the truck to the other shop. Then coming home tonight, two totally different bikes in the back of the truck. We have a call-in? So, um, no, I don't know if we get a call-in, but we got an update. Here's the update. We pick up bikes at 8 a.m. I'm chomping at the bit to go. Do it. Call us. Okay, there you go. So right. we'll see if he calls us. The, uh, I mean, he's starting his African adventure, so it's awesome. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. So ironically, they're not that much further ahead of us, all things considered. Yeah. You know? So is, is that my text message going through? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yep, so that's the, that's the glory of the group text. So straps, straps, straps. Anytime you're using ramps, use ramp, curved ramps if you can. Um, if you're loading bikes in the back of a tall pickup truck, Spend a hundred bucks at Harbor Freight and get that twelve volt powered remote control hitch. Winch. Winch. Yeah, yes. that thing works, man. I used to have one at uh, years ago. I had it set up in the back of the truck, bolted to the top of the uh, the bed, and I would pay the cable out just to the bottom of the ramp, 
hook it up to the triple of the motorcycle on an old tie-down strap so it was soft on both ends, and just hit that remote control button, like a little keychain remote. Mm-hmm. And it moves slower than snot, but it does it. I mean, we we pulled how many bikes upstairs at the old shop? Oh, man. Oh, system. God, yeah. That's I mean, right. hundreds of hundreds, bikes yeah. on that same system. I mean, I pulled it out of the truck to put it in the shop, but it's... It's a hundred bucks if you're going to do it a lot. That's really a good answer. Or get ye to your fucking U-Haul. I don't know if U-Haul intended to do it, but they designed one of the greatest motorcycle trailers on the planet when they designed the garden trailer with the V-shaped wheel chalk in the front mm-hmm. and tie downs everywhere and a ramp a drunk couldn't fall off of <laughs> and a load height of about nine inches. And if you got a motorcycle or you're going to pick up a motorcycle and you're thinking about you know buying a trailer man if you're not going to use your trailer 10 times a year just go get a fucking U-Haul garden right. trailer yeah they are cheap as hell and i think if you do the local trip i think you get it for 3 days for like 26 bucks or something yeah. it's it's almost foolish you can trash the shit out of it and take it back oh yeah i <laughs> i bumped a few things with them uh, they are definitely thermonuclear approved cuz U-Haul doesn't rent you anything that's light Everything mm-hmm. that U-Haul rents is U-Haul rental quality. So their tow dollies and their trailers are all fucking overbuilt. But, yeah, if you got to pick up uh, any weird motorcycle, that's the $26 solution to not owning a trailer. It's so cool. Uh, I want to talk about using to actually tying the bikes in because this is where we see, uh, man, if they could give a freestyle award for how people tie shit in. What shows up at my shop, usually on its side, yeah, with six things tied to it. Somewhat regularly. Yeah, somewhat regularly. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's always magical. Oh, here we hey, go. Hey, here comes Pete. You can hear Pete. Hey, Pete, how you doing, man? Hey. Welcome to, well. the, uh, welcome to the podcast. Why, right, thanks. How are things in beautiful South Africa? Wide open. I mean, wide awake. <laughs> <laughs> and and probably also wide open. Okay. At 8 a.m. Yeah, well, so in about in about six hours, you get your bikes. Yeah, we're picking up the bikes at 8 a.m. So about five and a half hours, you get your bikes. And yeah. uh, so you're going to get, uh, what kind of bike are you getting? Uh, BMW F800GS. Okay. And how, nice. many, how many people are in your group? There's uh, 17 of us. There's uh, or there's yeah, 17 people. There's uh, seven couples riding two up, and there's three singles. Myself being one of them, plus so you, our guides. I think we're gonna have two or three other bikes on the ground. Holy shit! So there's three singles, but everyone else is a tandem couple. Wow. Yep. Wow. I met most. I met most of the other couples. There's um, two from Australia, two from Ireland. There's some English people. Um, couple Canadians from Vancouver. Wow. Uh, and uh, no other Americans. My group of Americans, there's four of us. But um, like I said, 17 people all together. And is everybody there on the same equipment, or is everybody on F800s? No, we've got a couple on uh, 1200 GSs. Okay. so the tw- that's, pr- that's probably it. Yeah, okay. I got it. And then I, is everybody on BMW? <laughs> I haven't seen the machines yet, and I don't know um, oh. what everybody else is on. But everybody's going to certainly be on BMWs. Holy you know? crap. Well, that's neat, yeah. man. That's neat. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. So the uh, and so now, what's the total mileage of this trip going to be? Um, 2,500. 2,500 miles over how many days? Wow. Um, 13 riding days. Um, we have four rest days along the way, but I guess on the rest days there's optional riding if you want. Because you know, 
You're doing 2,300 miles. You might as well ride a little bit more. Yeah. Kinda, just can't get depends enough. Of it. Yeah, it depends where we're at. I'm sure we're going to be able to do some uh, off-road stuff. There's some off-road options. So if there's off-road options on the off days, I'll probably uh, take advantage of that too. I can't wait to see how many times those passengers change hands over the course of this trip. Oh, I never even thought of that. <laughs> Relationships have been built and destroyed in less than 13 days on the back of a motorcycle. Well done. Yeah. yeah. How many have cameras a, have you brought? Have cameras? Yeah. I brought a GoPro and my uh, iPhone. That's it. Yeah. Okay. That's, hey, yeah. Pete, I got your 50 bucks. Oh, okay. <laughs> if, if you make it back alive. <laughs> okay, well, if I don't, you can keep it. Buy beer for the crew. You can, just, <laughs> you can just PayPal it to South Africa. Yeah. So that's fucking great. Are you guys going to have a chase vehicle? Yeah, there's going to be. I think it's like a Sprinter or something along that line with uh-huh. a trailer with a spare bike. They said in case there's a breakdown. And wow. Then, um, they said it. If it's real hot or raining and some of the pillions don't want to go in the bikes, they can go in the van as much as they want to. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if the Wimps. trailer's big enough, some of the uh, drivers can go in the van if they don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. If it's real hot or real raining. It's, you know, it's 46 and raining like hell here, so. What's, what's the weather look like there, Pete? Um, it was real hot today. It was like in uh, close to 90, but I guess last before we got here, it had been 100. But the cold front came through this afternoon, and oh, tomorrow nice. the high is supposed to be like 61. Holy which shit. Which is pretty good. Good for you. Yeah, it's, really, it's kind of a savage swing there. Yeah. It's, it's, their, it's their spring here. Yeah. So um, the, the weather's a little unstable, but the for, forecast looks pretty good. It looks like 70s and dry the rest of the week. Perfect. Nice. That's perfect. Yeah, Make sure, good ride yeah exactly. Make sure yeah. you get yourself some biltong. Uh, I'll send you guys a picture. There's a like a butcher shop right outside our hotel, and it was hanging from the ceiling. It looks like ice, icicles hanging down. There's stalagmites everywhere. It's like, <laughs> it's, yeah, they're really crazy about that stuff. Do I want to know what Biltong is? It's like beef jerky. Yeah. Oh, okay. But it, but it's giant, like slabs of it. It's not like little skinny like we eat at home. This is like actual dried meat not like chopped farms processed stuff oh, and cool. it's like it's three feet long it looks like a slab of ribs or something it's like really? a big chunk wow. yes yeah, it's, it's it's huge we expect some at the next podcast well, that you're it, at it's 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 a water buffalo or something isn't it uh, they make it out of ostrich, water buffalo, beef, whatever, anything okay. and everything it's, it's, it's kind of a catch-all term i think it's uh whatever they so make it's it any out. sort of dried meat yeah. Really cool. Well, that, I mean, yeah. man, I'm so glad you called in. That's that's really cool. That's uh, that's neat. It's neat to have you. It's uh, kind of amazing that you're in South Africa right now, and we're just cracking beers and doing the same shit we normally do on yeah, a Friday night. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, I'll let you go. Yep. I'm gonna try to get some more sleep. And, yeah, uh, you get some we'll sleep look. and enjoy your and enjoy the launch of your ride, man. I know you're excited as fuck. So. I am. We'll have tales to tell when I get home. You absolutely will. Well, thanks a lot for calling in. All right. All right, we'll see you, Pete. Cheers. See you, Pete. Cheers, man. Ah, good for him, man. Oh, that's awesome. That is. This is a call-in show, don't forget, folks. Yeah, if you happen, <laughs> to, know when, if you happen to know when to call us. Yeah. The uh, But that is so cool, that that massive trip. Yeah. So, yeah, good for him. That's 2,500 cool. miles in 13 days. That's Jeez. about 200 miles a day. Huh? So that's not... Yeah, but 200 miles, uh, 200 miles a day, like, here would be... Nothing. I hey, you know, in, but in Africa, that's got to be grueling. I've done twenty five hundred miles in like a day, like a day and a half, mm. and it's miserable. So you know, you have to say things like, 
we're doing 2,500 miles. And I go, enjoy yourself. And then when somebody says, yeah, we're going to take 15, 13 days to do it, I go, oh, yeah, this is going to be a good trip. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 200 miles a day is like your ass doesn't even start to hurt yet. Yeah. You know, 200 miles, that's nice. You know, that's like even a shitty bad motorcycle is good for 200 miles a day. And you're like, <laughs> I've yeah. proven that. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah, we've definitely done a bunch of rides where you're like, it's a crap bike. But by the end of the day, you're going, yeah, we did 250 miles a day. That's pretty good. Considering. Like the rusty Buckeye. Oh, well, like uh, uh, other things that weren't supposed to be 250 mile days, that dragon run. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that, I didn't think for the life of me, I figured we might do 100 miles that day. And oh, we, we did, did. We did almost 300. We did almost 300 miles. Yeah. And we did it on $400 motorcycles. You know? Yeah, what's I, the story I, behind that? I did it with a seat pad about an inch thick. <laughs> yeah, well, wafer thin seat yeah. pad, right? Um, but, it sir, it's just, wafer thin. It was just the guys from. Uh, it was the guys from Louisville, uh, from Do the Ton. Yeah, and uh, the Do the Ton group, and we'd gone down to to just enjoy the dragon and everything around it, all the fun roads around it. There's plenty more than just 129, and what it ended up accidentally happening was. Instead of doing what we tend to normally do is do a bunch of runs of the Dragon or maybe one trip around Charahola or a Shiner, a Moonshiner's thing. And then go home. And then go home. But we ended up doing all three of them. Like, we did <laughs> all of them. And when we stopped at the gas station the second time, I was like, we're, we're out here for a little ways. Like, we've been out in the saddle a long time. <laughs> and because of the time of the year it was, it's really early in the season. So at some of those higher elevations... It's that hundred percent humidity, but it's not raining. Yeah, it's, it's raining, but it's not. You're just in a cloud, and that's yeah. all it is. Is you're in a cloud. And you're riding raining. and you're getting wet, but it's. It's not the raining. reason they call it the so Smoky weird. Mountains. Yeah. You know, yeah. you're in the Smoky Mountains. You're in the cloud. The road is wet. Everything you have is now wet. The bike is wheezing because you're at an altitude altitude you really weren't prepared to be at. We had, what, uh, 5,800 feet? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was something like that. It was, it was in that neighborhood. Which, for a carbureted vehicle from too Cleveland, much. is yeah, too much. too much. Yeah, it was too much <laughs> elevation for what we were doing, for the cars we were running, for the bikes we were running. But, you know, it was like, well, fuck, man, just keep going. The solution, you know, the road will clearly be better in 20 miles. And then next <laughs> or thing maybe you know, not. you're at a gas station again, and you're like, well, I'll, I think I'll, I'll have... A clandestine beer. I'll smoke a cigarette while everybody's getting their shit together. I've put in my three and a half gallons of gas, and wait for these fucks to get unfucked, and then we're gonna head out on the road again. Another hundred miles. To Another hundred miles again. And I think by the end we'd stopped and had a, a, we'd stopped and got our second meal. Yeah. And that was a trip where I thought we might catch lunch while we were on the road. Oh, that was when we, we stopped to get Mexican and back. thought we'd get margaritas, and we were in a dry county. No, yeah. oh. that is a factual statement. <laughs> we we ordered food and we're like, we need margaritas, yeah. and they're like, oh yeah. no, no sir. Yeah, and we're it like, was not an option. Oh, yeah. we're dying the, dry, for the dry counties pop up down there. It's just you got to call ahead, I guess. That's when we had to fix that guy's uh, clutch cable with the with the, do, the dollar store vice dollar grips. store vice grips. Yeah. yeah. Yep, held on longer than it How should have. How can you have Mexican food without margaritas? That's my point. Good lord! You know, it, it had better be the best Mexican food in the world. Bill yeah, Tong. there's pictures of biltong hanging. I thought it was bulltong, but it's not. It's just biltong. It's just sheets of meat. But yeah, so that, and if you have it hanging like that, is it technically meat curtains? <laughs> it sure looks a lot like meat. Could curtains. be. Yeah. Or meat drapes. It looks like yeah. It looks like meat drapes. But they're. Uh, <laughs> 
But yeah, that's cool. The uh, now strapping bikes in. We're gonna talk about actually getting straps on bikes. Yep. Um, if you are not sophisticated enough to have yet purchased a device called a Canyon Dancer bar harness, or if you own one, mm-hmm. <laughs> have a second one from some unnamed guy named Kurt uh, right. sitting on well, your toolbox. Well, he's got one of mine. Yeah. Have at least two of the shops. Yeah. I probably saw four of those things the day before I went down. We have no shortage of Canyon Dancers. And you I know why? Totally forgot. They fucking work. Because they do. Yeah. But I totally forgot to grab any of them. Canyon Dancer or a bar harness is nothing more than... Bahanas? Is that what they call them in, Maine, in uh, a, New England? Bahanas? Bahanas? In Baston? In the, uh, but they're really, all they are is they're just cloth cylinders that slip over your handlebars. And the strap from the left one goes over to the right grip through the cylinder at the right grip and out to a loop. So when you're tying down the right side of your motorcycle, it is actually pulling on your left handlebar and your left handle grip. And when you're pulling on the ratcheting down the left one, it's pulling on your right handle grip. So it's actually distributing the load left to right across your grips. Um, and it works. I mean, it, it really does a good job. The thought just came to my mind. If the, if the cylinders were a little bigger, they would fit over... Wrists. Wrists. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen different ones. I've seen ones where they were actual, the cylinders were actually plastic cups mm-hmm. and went over the end. And But those I've seen cut into grips before. So I've seen them actually damage the grips. I've uh, seen the, the plastic cup that yeah. you can make any right. strap. Exactly. Any two straps yep. become become a right. canyon dancer with exactly. these two cups. Two and cups. Each cup has like a loop on the bottom exactly. of it. Exactly. Yep. Yep, and yep. you can make your own canyon dancer. You make we call them ghetto dancers here. Piece <laughs> of uh, PVC and no, they, the they all live the next ghetto, door. The ghetto dancer is just you take a regular tie down strap. You know, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's got, you know, a loop of fabric at the other end, and you tie it over the left handlebar, the left grip. You know, whatever type of knot you like. You know, we're not going to get a boy scout on you here, but a knot. A knot. And then you go over to the other grip and loop it around the grip three times. So just just literally take that strap, put it around the grip three times, take it down to the corner of the truck and ratchet yourself down or cam lock yourself down. You're doing the same thing. You're distributing the load from the other side. That's all it is. And what you don't want to do is you just... The trick is so many people put so much faith in grip glue or hairspray. Mm-hmm. Or gasoline, or whatever it is you did, or the guy you bought the bike from did, to keep the grips on the bike. Well, once the grips aren't gripping anymore, then the next sound is your bike falling out of the back of the truck. Well, you don't want to trust the adhesive that's holding the grip. <clears throat> if you're pulling the grip across the motorcycle to the other side, you are going to be pulling the grip more onto the motorcycle, not away from the motorcycle. And where this really, really becomes an issue is on the first hot day of the year. Uh, the bike that you put together or was put together on a day that wasn't 90 degrees, well, that grip glue is now sitting under a black grip in the sunshine, getting up to whatever temperature it is, but it's reliquifying. And I've seen guys come in here that literally just make the bump, the transition from the street into the driveway. And that is enough... To yank the grip off the end of the handlebar, and once the grip's off the end of the handlebar, the next sound is $2,000 worth of damage. And boy, they hit with violence. And the noise they make is catastrophic. And we're here to fix that. 
the and bike's noise is catastrophic or the owner's? <laughs> well, really both, both, right? Yeah. Both. Yeah. 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 And then we kind of, you hate to give remedial training. You hate to like, hey, listen. Because you Mr. want it to happen again. When you, it's right. $2,000. <laughs> <laughs> fool me once, fool me twice is profit margin. The, uh, but yeah, we do try to make sure we show people how to tie their bikes in correctly. To tie any bike in anything, you just need a place to park the front wheel and two straps. Now, you realize you said we try to show people how to tie their bike in yeah. correctly. Yeah. Rather than incorrectly. <laughs> I make sure to tie, show mm. the best. Incorrectly, not incorrectly. Right. right. In theory. <laughs> Improperly. Improperly. Yeah, we try to show them how to tie it in properly. The... Uh, Two straps is really all you should ever need. So anything, she said. anything on the back, uh, yeah, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Boom, anything beat you. on the back is all about security, extra stuff. Now, the situation you got in with the PC800 is there's nothing fun to grab onto. Nothing and, at all. And you don't want to have your... Are you describing the bike or... <laughs> look, I'm going to call it right now. How many minutes are we in? We are 20, not, half an hour. The next person that pulls a sexual innuendo... Is a cock because <laughs> because we're talking about straps and tying shit in and whatever and yeah we understand you can go base with this pretty easy but it just slows the hunt down and actually you know let's not go for the low hanging fruits let's fruits <laughs> cock <laughs> so uh, but well, the plural of fruit is fruit fruta the uh, you don't want to strap the bike in so that you're dragging the fucking tie down strap across. A piece of plastic that might be eight hundred dollars to replace if you can find one. Yeah, and half, that's half a of big that thing. stuff's like unobtainium. Exactly. I mean, what did you say a mirror cost for your bike? Mirrors are available. A right yeah. hand mirror was spotted on eBay last week. Yeah. For three hundred and ninety five dollars, buy it now. Oh, ouch! Was it at least the right color? It was. Hey, all right, good. You it don't was. have to pay for painting. Yeah, I um, bought a couple I of. Don't know. I. Don't think the glass. I don't think the mirror part was. It was just a shell. Well, it's the same mirror lens as a Honda Civic. So. <laughs> you can just get it from the. Quick I wouldn't fit. doubt it. It's a quick fit part. The, uh, <laughs> but that's true. It's like when you're tying a bike in. The reason canyon dancers really exist is so that you have a tie down point that's isolated away from the plastic bodywork of modern sport bikes. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you try to reach into the handlebars, where that you want to hook the hook to. There's a bunch of plastic in the way, and next thing you know, you're ratcheting the bike down. You hear crack, and God, man, I hope that wasn't your 84 VFR Interceptor that you just cracked a $1,400 piece of plastic on. So the Canyon Dancers, the bar harnesses, get that loading point much further away from the bodywork. Where people think they're going to skim by by going under the fairing to the yeah. to the forks. Yeah. Uh. And it still does the same thing to the plastic. It breaks just pulls it, the other it out. Way. Yeah. Instead of crushing it in, it crushes it. I out. like yeah. it when people take a t-shirt and they'll put a t-shirt behind the strap. Right? And this like okay, well, we were you weren't really worried about the strap. I guess I don't usually worry about the strap abrading the paint so much. But then I watch them put the t-shirt all carefully, wrap it all around the strap, and then realize they're they're operating a 1200-pound ratchet strap. And then they cratchety, 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 bang. And you're like, oh, I watched you do that. But the t-shirt, still good. And no scratches. It's cracked to fuck, but no scratches. So, yeah, it is. Uh, 
cam locks and tie down straps really whether you're using ratchet straps or whether you're using cam locks really doesn't matter it's you know it's mostly you pulling against the thing the ratchet strap is just housekeeping in my opinion they don't make they don't make it any more secure it's not like this is an 18 wheeler and we got a three foot long or four foot long cheater bar that we're operating a uh, you know uh, ratchet based tie down on the side of the 18 wheeler and being able to put three thousand pounds of force on that thing no, it's you're you're operating a little handle that's what three inches long, four inches long. You're not going to develop enough force to really blow anything up, but you're getting the same amount of force if you just grab the the a cam lock based tie down and just pull the handlebar down towards you and then take the slack up with your other hand. Yep. So it's not that ratchet straps are so superior. I like certain ratchet straps that do good housekeeping. They have the ends of the ratchet, the ends of the strap that you're not using coiled up inside of them. So you don't have the tails flapping around. I also found these moose straps that I use uh, from the Moose ATV company, Moose uh, Motorcycle Supplies. Well, anybody who's worked with me seen them. The one end is a carabiner. Mm-hmm. So the carabiner yeah, rocks. Yeah, those are cool. Bedding. Yeah, well, no, all of a sudden everybody's a fucking believer because they tried them. <laughs> I, I buy these things by the, by the dozen. And the carabiner latches into the trailer. The heartbreak ever is when you hit a bump or railroad tracks... And the bike shifts a little bit, and it takes tension off of the hook. Your S-hook comes and off. And your S-hook <laughs> actually comes out of the tie-down you had it into because the bike shifts. Well, then you did a good job of tying it in, but the failure point was that metal hook that interfaced with the tie-down cleat in the side of your truck or whatever, the trailer, just because the bike shifted left to right violently, took up some slack, and now the bike's laying on its side, even though you did a good job of tying it in. Well, having a carabiner on the end... Now, you don't have to buy the fucking moose carabiner-equipped straps. You can just buy a carabiner. And when you put your hook in, then put a carabiner through the eye of the hook and the uh, eyelet to lock it in, essentially. And that's a good way to do it. It really is smart, because I've seen those hooks. When the when a truck shakes left to right, sometimes motorcycles are kind of high up in the truck. <laughs> and uh, in your case, sometimes, sometimes. <laughs> and when you hit a set of railroad tracks or come out of a driveway or something or bump a curb, that motorcycle weight shifts a lot. So, are you literally making a collection of dicks? You're making a collection <laughs> Cheeto dicks. of Cheeto dicks. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one here is a real prize. Whoa! Yeah, that one got hit by lightning. That's yeah. That's a lightning rod dick. But the so it is real. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> lightning rod dick. <laughs> Couldn't keep from peeing on the high tension, could you? The uh, don't piss on the electric fence. Under interesting. But that's the, the the trick is. I mean, rope works. We've seen that. We've seen it, and I've used it myself. Twine, broken tie down straps with no hooks on the end. Sure, you can make Shit it work, that. provided you take a minute. Don't use fucking bungee cords under any circumstances. Oh hell no! I've seen bikes with. T- Why introduce bounce? Well, my God, man. I've seen bikes come in with 20 fucking dollars worth of bungee cords on them. <laughs> I mean, $20 worth of dollar store bungee cords. That's like 80 bungee cords. It's like 80 bungee cords. <laughs> and they're tight as fuck. But still, I mean, the fail point is there. The fail point is obvious. <clears throat> you know, just just use a goddamn <clears throat> use a tie-down strap. Do it right. There's no, There's no secret science to it. Wheel chocks are a good idea. I forget what the machine was. Huh? Either a little baby Honda Metro 
might have been a, a small Vino or something. Man. It was a, a classic-looking plastic scooter. Yeah, right. Came <clears throat> in over at the other shop three or four years ago, whatever, <clears throat> in a van, mm-hmm. kind of on its side. Yeah. Tied down with what I probably wouldn't trust to tie my tomato plants up with. <laughs> it looked like a giant spider. Yeah. Had it was everywhere. The, it was, <laughs> and it was inside of a van. So I don't know if your van's like that. This apparently you can like put freaking string behind some of the panels. Yes. Yeah, that's way that's way vans are. It's just cargo vans have like a thousand different points like inside. Little you can tie stuff in the, to. Yeah, yeah, little holes in the yeah. stampings. If yep. you will. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, this person had just. <laughs> I swear it had to be a mile of the shit. <laughs> And the scooter was still like, right? It was giving yeah. it the old Detroit it was lean. Still when it a came fail. In. Like, what? Yeah, more doesn't make. More can doesn't we just mean cut better. this stuff? I can do as long as I got a good place to put the front wheel. Two straps is all we ever need. The trick is going back to that statement of you better have a good place to put the front wheel. Yes, and, and that's the other thing yeah. I forgot to take with me. Well, I have a piece of two by eight. Yeah, with a. Yeah. Pingle, whatever brand, right. wheel chalk. With a chalk built right in it, yeah. Built on it. So yeah. it's like a wooden T. Exactly. With a wheel chalk. It comes out. It was sitting behind my garage oh, the whole man. trip. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I showed up not prepared to locate the bike and right. not prepared to secure the bike. That's tough, man. That's <laughs> tough. Yeah. And I probably stopped a dozen times. Yeah, because of Before that. I figured out that, you know, eight is the magic number of straps that... <laughs> it takes to keep it from moving. <laughs> and it's uh, all wheel chocks are not created equal. Oh no! Here's a real here's a pro tip from your uncle Phil. Your brake rotors can bend, and once they do bend, you will be into a whole interesting world of lack of front brake performance. <laughs> and uh, just when you want them the most, they won't be there. <laughs> Because when you're putting a motorcycle wheel into a wheel chock, a lot of the wheel chocks, like so the pingle wheel chocks and stuff like that, there is a, a fucking interference point between the chock and your wheel rotors on certain motorcycles. A lot of motorcycles have really big wheel rotors, mm-hmm. and those brake rotors are right down where those chocks tend to be. Oh, so yeah, and that chock will squish them. It'll squish the fuck out of them. Yeah. If it didn't squish it when you put it in, bet your ass when you put some <coughs> load on it with those tie-down straps, you are bending that rotor. And when it's jerking around in there while you're driving, yeah, well, it's going to yeah. be smacking into there. Well, let so. me tell you a little story once about a guy that tied a bike in the back of a pickup truck. Let me tell you a story. A are tall you, pickup truck. About the are bike you that guy, Phil? Well, we, we'll find out at the end of the story. <laughs> and uh, put the ramp out as you're supposed to. Um, you know, I was younger, so I didn't have the two I, ramps. I, I, <laughs> cut to the end, okay. Yeah. And, uh, we don't need to so read the rest of the book now. I, uh, I got up in the back of the truck. I took my tie-down straps off to deliver this motorcycle, this high-performance sport bike, to the customer. And I got up in the back of the truck, and it was, you know, a tall truck, a full-size Tundra. And uh, it's a long enough ramp, but I was tall enough I could get out of it while still holding the handlebars. Got up in the back of the truck and squeezed, uh, squeezed the, you guys just use words. It's way too distracting. Oh, No, oh. I'm, I'm trying not to disrupt the podcast. Oh, okay. So, so you can charge back the, back in the truck. So back in the truck. So what do I do? I undo the tie-down straps. Yeah. Super smart guy. I test the front brake because as I'm rolling his motorcycle out of the truck, I'm going to be using the front brake to stop my speed as me and the 400-pound bike come down the ramp together. Yep. 
Well, I checked the front brake, no problem, up in the back of the truck. It worked great. However, with the bent rotors, as the bent rotor went past the pads, the bent rotor shoves the pads in. <laughs> Think about that for a second. A wobbly, wavy rotor that looks like a Pringle, when it goes past the pads, pushes them in. Yep, yep. So now, when the bike is going backwards down the ramp, and I need to slow the bike down, and I reach <laughs> up for the front brake... There is no goes fucking all the front way to the brake. Handlebar. It goes all the way to handlebar. And I'm like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> and what was supposed to be a nice controlled, using the front brake as God intended, to slowly come down this incredibly steep ramp, turned into absolutely no front brake whatsoever. Terror. Fuck yeah, terror. Turned it was everything I had oh, to keep the bike going straight. <laughs> the speed that a bike will achieve... To go from the top of a pickup truck to the bottom of a pickup truck in eight feet of a ramp is kind of amazing how fast they go. Oh, it's incredible. Backwards. Was this young man wearing his brown pants? Well, boy, I'll tell you, I, I, bought, I might have bought some on the way home. Uh, but, yeah, I got to the bottom of the ramp, and the bike was going way too fast, and the brakes, of course, weren't activating. So the brakes weren't activating, and the bike's going backwards, and I'm running backwards next to the bike. And all I was thinking was, I have to stop it, but I just don't fucking know how. And my foot took a jump, and I kicked the shift lever. So I kicked it into gear, which, of course, stops a motorcycle backwards really quickly. And me and the whole bike fell over to the right. So the bike, I was standing to the left of the bike and was really trying hard to, like, if it's going to fall, I want the bike to fall on me because it's not my bike. Well, what happened is when I had the great idea to use the transmission to keep me and the bike from going backwards at 12 miles an hour into a four-lane highway, and I used the transmission to drop it into gear, to drop it into gear, the stop was more sudden than I had anticipated. Oh, yeah. Well, all of my energy and the bike's energy went to the right. So the bike took a dive on the right-hand side. I went over the handlebars, of course, and I got pretty fucked up for being a negative speed collision. I mean, I was actually going backwards. It'd be funnier if the bike bump started. It backwards. <laughs> yeah. uh, turns out if you do that on a Vespa, you can actually uh, de-spool the, uh, the shifting clutch. The so, shifting so did you come up with, like, Nadia Comaneci? No, I came up, Ooh, I I came up in a bad that. state of affairs yeah. because, one, uh, the only thing that saved me in the situation was the customer wasn't outside of the house to see it happen. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So my bleeding, busted up, embarrassed ass reloaded the motorcycle into the truck, escaped praying that nobody had seen me, (laughs) took it back to the shop and bought two new rotors, two new turn signals, two new body panels, a new set of handlebars, a mirror... Oh, everything. It cost, like, that fuck-up cost me about $2,300. Oh, man. Mm. All told. So, Ouch. Plus, the overall embarrassment, stupidity, and, and damaged my body pretty good. Well, damaged your ego, you know? My egos can take a, my ego can take a hit. I fucked up all over this country. But this particular one <laughs> was bad because then I had to call the customer. I said I had a problem. And I didn't want to, like, straight up be, like, total <clears throat> denial because he was expecting the delivery. And I said, yeah, I had a problem unloading your bike, and I damaged it. I just want you to be able to know that I'm going to fix it. I'm going to return it to you in pristine shape. If you're cool with that, it's going to take me a few days. I had a problem, some damage. What happened? Uh, well, I had a 
Dropped it. Depends. Back. Like, mm-hmm. That depends. Have you talked to any of your, na- any of your neighbors? <laughs> <laughs> you don't by any chance what? have a security camera, do you? What did you hear from your neighbors? <laughs> yeah, and the problem was literally I was in his driveway, ah. and his driveway went out onto U.S. Route 18. Ooh, yeah. So, like, had I not got it, 55 mile an hour. There are, there's trucks traffic. going 55, yeah. 60 miles an hour right past me. So, Oof. that was a bad day at the ranch. And that's why I'm trying to tell people, don't do that. You think loading and loading, unloading a bike is no big deal, but it can fucking kill you. A 700 I pound, think it's a big deal. A 700 pound motorcycle huge coming deal. down on you can fucking kill you. Mm. And uh, people just kind of, I've seen what people load it up with. We had a commercially available ramp that we purchased at the shop. Did you ever see the picture of that ramp? I bought a ramp that's a folder, an arched folder. It should be good. Um, spent over 120 bucks on it, and loading a Kimco XC500 onto it, the ramp turned into a backwards banana. <laughs> so the engineering of the ramp wasn't right, and it was this particular respectable company. It was their first time trying a ramp from a different manufacturer, and I went to push the bike up. And now I had two straps on the ramp. It was I was doing it legit. The truck itself wasn't a particularly as my Tundra after it had been lowered, but the that bike is not a super heavy bike. I mean, it's 500-ish. You know, it's in the neighborhood of 500 mm-hmm. pounds. Got the front wheel of the bike up into the tailgate of the truck. The back wheel, the heavy part of the scooter, rear-wheel drive and uh, motors in the back kind of thing. Well, that back tire, as it got up halfway, I realized that the arch of the ramp was not a good design, and it became arched the other way. Well, what Ooh. I had, the real problem here is now that it's arched the other way, the front apron of the, the scooter, or the front uh, lowers, the, uh, the bodywork, was now snagging on the front of the ramp because the ramp had, had become buckled. Oh. And so the front claws that it's normally not, hold onto the back no. of the tailgate are literally hooking into the bodywork oh. of the scooter. Oh. No. So this became a real fucking joy to try and get off the back of the truck. So fortunately, I had two guys at the shop. So I'm out there at the truck yelling, Hey, the, I'm fucking stuck, you know? And I know what happened. I can see the ramp is bent. The ramp has failed at 500 pounds. And this is a ramp that was advertised as being rated for 1,000 pounds. And it failed at 500. So I had the two How guys. How much do you weigh? About 25, 205. Yeah, about 205. <laughs> yeah, I was not standing. Um, I, I ran with a guy for a little while that every time he would use a ramp, he rode the bike up the ramp into the back of the truck. Uh, I've only done that once. It was at a rally, and I was fucking drunk. Mm-hmm. And I made it. And I mean, I pulled it off. And I achieved glory as the bike ended up in the back of the truck with me on it. And we didn't go through the sliding rear window of the truck. And we didn't destroy the ramp, but I did it. I pulled it off. There, you could watch seven hours of YouTube videos <laughs> of people trying to put running motorcycles into the back of trucks mm-hmm. in the 700 different ways it goes wrong. <laughs> And it does go wrong. It's, it always ends up with the ramp shooting out the, the ramp back. ramp shoots out the back, or the guy misses the ramp by this much. Or, the or he goes wheel. over the top of the Yeah, it goes uh, over the, the top cab. of the truck. Yeah. 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 It's really... It's remarkable how hard it is to do right when you see thousands of different ways it can be done wrong. And <laughs> if you take your time and you, you get the right equipment, if you're going to do it a lot, then get the, buy the right gear. You know, get, what about a lift gate on the back? Just if you got the money, brother, bring it on, man. They make them. 
They make them. You can buy them. Prices start at around twenty five hundred. Put a tailgate lift on the back of your you know your pick 'em up truck. Yeah. But I like the YouTube video of the trials guy putting his bike in the back of the truck. He goes up no the ramp, ramp and does a backflip. Oh no way! Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a oh, ramp going up Jesus. into the truck, and he goes yeah. up, does a backflip, and lands. And then lands it right into the bed. Oh my <laughs> god! Yeah. Um, I have. That was the 78th time you had tried that, though. It was, Probably. I watched a guy down at Wayne one time ride a, a trials bike up a ramp into the back of a pickup truck. Yeah. Hoist the front wheel. Yeah. Hop the fucker around so that it was facing back out. Back out. And ride back down the ramp yeah. on the back wheel. See? And I was like, God damn, Malcolm Smith reincarnate here. There's man. nothing you Jesus can't do with seals, I suppose. <laughs> but I mean. Yeah. That was a, a trial. That was. There's made a for lot that. of I mean, different weirdo bike. inventions. You showed me that weird. Yeah, 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 so explain that one. The, so it's the weird, I think they should call it the weird South African ass grabber. That's what they're going to call it, Pete next week. Uh, that is Pete's new nickname. Pete's new nickname. <laughs> Sorry, Pete. What this thing actually does is it is a clamping, it's a wheel chalk, for lack of a better term. And it goes into a class three hitch. Uh, and oh, that thing. What it does is it has, a par- it has a parallelogram of metal. That allows, through the use of a lever, for the receptacle, the, the rear tire receptacle. So it's rear everything tire. you know from a wheel chalk, except for the back tire. So you load your bike backwards. You back it in. At ground level. At ground level. And then and then you pull the lever, and it lifts it up, what, 12 inches off the At ground? least, yeah. yeah. And then there's a lot of strappages. And I was what I looked at for that was the... The slot is at least six inches wide, so if you have a narrower bike, I would a narrower bike wheel or tire. I would recommend reinforcing that, like putting something in there to keep it from shifting. Because boy, if that slot is <laughs> other tires, other tires, or, or <laughs> yeah. maybe a couple of two by fours, you yeah. know, in there to keep it from shifting left or right. Not a you know, t-shirt. A couple of scooter not tires. Not a t-shirt. Just, yeah, right. just like the strapping. Not a t-shirt. Not a t-shirt. <laughs> but then there's a, a nylon web strap that goes over the top of it and ratchets in. Yeah. And then the idea is once it's lifted, that it has so much torsional strength. Right. That the bike is not going to tip left or right. And there are tie-down straps that go from essentially the clamp you just put your back wheel in to canyon dancers for your handlebars. To keep your front wheels straight. To keep your motorcycle's handlebars from twisting while you're doing this. Because if your motorcycle's handlebars twist while you're doing this, you are in a world of shit. That, like, that is the critical component <laughs> yeah. of this whole operation. People think the magic is in the clamp. No. Once the clamp is done, you could still fuck this up if your front wheels, your front handlebars aren't secured. Because then, yeah, you know, when you look in the rearview mirror, it looks like your motorcycle's trying to pass you backwards, you know? <laughs> or shooting sideways. Because it's right. dragging along the... Yeah. So my question is, since it's backwards right. and the front tire's on the ground, yeah. are you removing mileage? Yeah, on some bikes you are, because actually I, I did look it up. Yeah. And I've owned, yeah. a, I've owned more than one motorcycle where you could... I'm quoting Ferris Bueller's Day Off here. No, but you could... There, there's more than one <laughs> motorcycle I've owned where spinning the front wheel backwards would absolutely take miles off the odometer, <laughs> but more importantly... Just don't knock it off the jacks. Right. <laughs> the, uh, the Ferrari Daytona Spider. But, but the sales pitch to that unit was always have a tow piece of gear in your trunk mm-hmm. of your car. 
Right, you, you could, throw it in the trunk. This so, thing looked like it weighed 80 pounds total. So the thing is, yeah. it's not as if you're going to use it to drag it 500 miles. Right. But you if could, you have to need to move something from home well. to the shop or... Okay, well, think about it this way. Always have a piece of tow gear in the, back, in the trunk of your car mm. while you're riding your motorcycle. Well... No, 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 the idea would be no, that... No, that's not what we're saying. For a person like me, I could pick up a bike anywhere. Okay. Well, yeah. If I'm that. driving my Buick, as long as i got a Class 3 on the back, yeah. I'm good to go. You know? So um, it's it's not a bad yeah. concept. No, it's really not. It's way better than the, the trailer in a bag. Because I have had the privilege of using one of those. And for people who trailer are... Trailer in a bag? Yeah. I'm unfamiliar with it. It's this. exactly what you think it is. <laughs> is it a trailer inside a bag? It's exactly yes, a trailer in a bag. That's a chair with some wheels on right. it. Right. <laughs> yeah. What a trailer... Can I do that? That's your yeah. future, sir. What a trailer in a bag is, <laughs> for anybody in podcast land who's thinking about buying a trailer in a bag, save your fucking money. This is your Uncle Phil speaking. Yeah, because I've played with these things a few times. What they are is the channel... Like a, a ramp channel or a channel that you would put the wheels of your motorcycle in if you were putting it on a Versa Hall or something on the back of your RV or whatever. I mean, a, a six-inch wide metal channel is all mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. And at the very, very north end of the six-inch wide metal channel is a one-and-seven-eighths-inch trailer hitch. So the actual receiver, the, the, the ball, the what do you call that part? The part that goes on the top. The, the hitch. It's a coupling. Hitch. It's a coupling, I right. I don't know what's called yeah. the coupling. The, the, it's a coupling. The, the tongue. locking mechanism. Right. The There's that at the end of an eight-foot-long or six-foot-long. Steel vagina that goes over the ball. I don't know. Cock. <laughs> well, because that's too long. <laughs> Cock. Yeah, yeah. Steel vagina. Because that sounds like a great metal band name. Cock. Squared. God damn it. We said we were going to do this. Right. Attention span. Fucking short. Like goldfish around here. That's Steel Panther you're thinking of. Steel but because eight foot long is too long to be a trailer in the bag, what they do is they take that six inch channel that's eight feet long and they cut it in half. Hinges on it? Yeah, and then they put a lowest bitter hinge on it. Okay? Because that, that speaks solid of solid rigidity. And then they take two pieces of probably two or three inch square channel, square, square stock. And they put it under the thing, left to right, and then put a little baby stub axle in each side with a couple of safety pins, like cotter pins going through it. Safety pins. Yeah, no shit. And, and like the world's cheapest Harbor Freight 8-inch tire, you know. that You don't even put a new tire when these blow. You just buy another rim. Like you buy another buy operation. another trailer. Right, you buy another trailer. <laughs> and the guy was selling these trailers in a bag for like straight up good money, like 800 bucks. Whoa. Because if you took the thing apart, it literally was the size of a golf bag. Hmm. Yeah. And it came in a nylon bag and you, you had a, a, a golf bag in your trunk that really was a trailer. And you could put a motorcycle on it. And he did the motorcycle tour circuit with a trailer in a bag. And the trailer in a bag, he had like a Harley on this thing. Meanwhile, the funny thing is, the Harley weighs 800, 900 pounds. I know those little wheels that you buy at Harbor Freight with the tires on them. They might be rated for three, 400 pounds a piece. It's like this until it starts oh, oblong. Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> and the Harbor Freight trailer that you can buy, like the Harbor Freight trailer, is one step better than the trailer in a bag. Because it is also flat pack type IKEA furniture. Uh, it is not a good idea. I have... Watched people put motorcycles on Harbor Freight trailers, 
And yeah, people who listen to our podcast are going to be like, oh, I love my Harbor Freight trailer. It's great. I enjoy it. Fuck, Fuck you. you. <laughs> yeah, because when your Harbor Freight trailer comes apart and I'm the guy behind you and I'm cleaning pieces of china out of my windshield and my hood, <coughs> those things suck, man. The tie-down straps, the Harbor Freight tie-down straps... Throw them away. ...can fucking bend a Harbor Freight trailer in half with your motorcycle on it. And I'm not going to put my motorcycle on a Harbor Freight trailer. Out of not only for love for my motorcycle, but the people behind me on the freeway. I don't want a motorcycle and a Harbor Freight trailer caterwauling sideways... It's 75 miles an hour. Maybe the Harbor Freight trailer is only rated for 15 miles an hour. It might be, and it probably is in some secret world. But here's the one thing I will tell you about the Harbor Freight trailer. You have to title it as self-assembled because it's a kit, which means it doesn't meet one DOT, and it doesn't meet (laughs) one NHTSA. This is just a kit. They're just giving you a box of things. If your dumbass wants to put it on a freeway, that's your funeral. Yeah. It's Are you actually kit. even allowed to title that? You can title the magic of trailers is because in our country we have not made it illegal for hillbillies to build trailers. <laughs> or to write Go figure. If yeah. your trailer weighs less than a thousand pounds, it can be titled as a self-built trailer. So if your trailer weighs a thousand pounds with nothing on it, I don't care what it's made of. That'd be a pretty damn big trailer. Oh, I've had a few that were close. Yeah. That are self-assembled, self-built trailers. That's what you get when you... Yeah. It's got those lawnmower cut wheels the, on it. Fuck that. No, I've seen... Cut the back of a pickup truck yeah. off and uh-huh. bend the frame rails in. And... Yep. Yeah. Johnny's or, got a stick welder. We got a trailer. Or when yeah. you got some extra axles laying around that used to be up under your house. That's right. Get... Johnny's got a Lincoln AC90. Yep. We can do anything. I got a stick welder and a big battery. We can do whatever the hell you want to do. <laughs> We're going to make us a trailer out of Grandpa's old pickup truck. I got a stick 40. welder and some and coat hanger. As luck would have it, it weighs 998 pounds. <laughs> so we're going to get a title for this bitch. And they do. And that's why you see some sketchy-ass shit going down the road. I've seen wooden trailers. Yeah. On the freeway. Uh, yeah. Wooden. Made of wood. Wooden. Two-befores from Harbor Freight or Home Depot. How do those fuckers get on the highway? How come the highway patrol would say, pull this shit over, asshole? I don't know. Because you know what? Idiots outnumber police. They, you know, Fuck. Yeah. It's like even the dumb gazelles get away. True story. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Until they <laughs> smack into a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Even the dumb gazelles. Can Some do. Most do. Yeah. Right. There's just not enough lions. The uh, you ain't lying. <laughs> um, so on to a different topic. Has anybody seen the new Kawasaki Z900 SR RS or whatever the hell that is? I have not. Well, no. you should get your thumb powered device out and take a look at one. Uh, uh, Z90. Z900. Z900 RS. RS. Or something like that. I mean, Z900 honestly, if you type in Kawasaki RS. Z900. You're there. Um, I wish I could help, but you don't seem to be connected to the internet. Way to go, Wi-Fi. All right. Um, I give up. Go, then, then Honda has the new one called the Neo Classic. So there you go. Johnny Chrome pulled it up in beautiful chocolate and orange. Root beer and orange color scheme. Oh, wow. I have seen that. Oh, That's lovely. It is lovely, isn't it? And there's a lot. I mean, there's just there's so much energy in that bike mm. right now. There's so many people that are fired up about it. And then you can pull up the Neo, the Honda Neo Classic too, huh. um, or Neo Classic Neo. The engine and the exhaust, just to give a little image to those listening. Yeah, 
the engine and exhaust really smack of Z1000. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it looks like a rebodied yeah. Z1000. Yep. And they they spent some time on a couple of different uh, prototype ones we've seen. They spend a lot of time with the little um, rubber uh, valve cover Giggity. spacers uh, to make it to make sure everyone knows it's a dual overhead cam motor kind of thing. You know, that's sort of ubiquitous when you look at '80s motorcycles. You see that those two half moons, plastic half moons, looking at you from the side of the motor, up where the valve cover interfaces with the head. And uh, they did. They went to a lot of trouble to really accentuate items on the bike that would remind you of the 1973 through, you know, 78 uh, uh, KZs. And boy, they put a lot of time and effort into it. And then Honda took the powertrain out of the CB1100 and put it into, they call it the Honda Neocon or whatever, uh, Neocon Cafe something. Uh, Neocons. Uh-oh. Yeah, right? Yeah, I know. I was, was, was going to say, that's not exactly what it's called, uh, but they're, it's the Neo Sport Cafe. So it's the Honda uh, Neo Sport Cafe. And that's going to be launched at the Milan Show in November. So uh, there's plenty of pictures of the prototypes and everything else. but So that's Honda's entry into the very retro-styled, very much, but still ass-in-the-air, 18 inches of daylight between the tire and the back fender, you know. This is a this is a look. And uh they like that look. I mean, they're Who's they? I think it's the manufacturers. I think that people like the visual in the visual impression of there being maybe 8 inches of rear suspension travel. Even though ah, I don't it's like not it. It's not going to travel like that. No, and I don't care for it myself. Mm-hmm. I don't care for it. But I like know, the. I, you know, I, I was no, I was thinking about I don't like our that last podcast. We yeah. were talking about the PC eight hundred and the yeah. numbers that that they built. And I got yeah. thinking, you know, you got yeah. these yeah, these that, motorcycle that. engineers that are sitting around building essentially the same unit year in and year out, changing right. a little bit, little. And they thought, you know, screw this. Let's build something that's really out there. Yeah. We don't care how many we sell. If we sell a thousand, we're happy. And they right. probably got the blessing from higher ups to say. Go out and do something different. Break a mold. Go out and do something that hasn't been done yet. And, and they whip together a PC800. So much like that, you know, these bikes are a little bit different. Or yeah, maybe, maybe they're talking about the PC. I thought he was talking about <laughs> a, well, a no, conversation no, no. between Miguel Galusi and, you know, I mean, it sounds well, like... Sounds like Moguzzi engineers talking there. Uh-huh. You Who know cares what? if Chris, we sell I any? Think, Chris, I think you're absolutely right. And I think in 1987, Honda Motor Company, the Honda Motorcycle Division, had that guy working for him. I really do. I think in 1987, and it might have been the guy that, that, that moved up through the ladder for what he did in 83. Because in 83, the Interceptor Project and a bunch of stuff that was fucking legendary. And it was... It was, it was Mold breaking. Mm-hmm. The things that happened with the V65 Saber, the things that happened with uh, the V65 Magna, the RC31s, the RC30 projects. Yeah, the yeah. RC30 projects. There were some really cutting edge motorcycles in the early 80s, and I will mid 80s, that were like nothing anybody had ever seen. And by 87, they got that guy or that team of guys and said, okay, you fuckers are going to get. A budget. You're going to get us your own special room at the end of the hallway, and we're going to leave you the fuck alone. And you got six months. Go bananas, and we're going to say green light. And I think that's where the GB500 came from. 
I think that's where the GT650 Hawk came from. Mm -hmm. I think that's where the PC800 came from. It's where the 87 Honda Super Magna came from. It's where the Transalp came from. It's where the NTX650 Denominator came from. It's where the uh, probably the 250 Interceptor came from with the inboard <clears throat> brake. Oh, the VTR. The VTR 250. Probably that's where that came from. Yep. Yeah. Well, can I can I say this? Thank God for those guys back in that right. corner with a little bit of extra clay to build something yeah. different. Because yeah. in my mind, what they bring to the to the industry is a different bike in a lot of different ways. Whether they're changing the motor, changing the body, changing yeah. the the style or whatever it happens to be, and and shake things up a little bit. You know, they don't. What happens is, as these bikes are built year in and year out, they start to look like each other, and and there's nothing interesting. So they do got the guys in the corners say, "Let's build something new. Let's build something different. Let's get off the rails a little bit." The automotive so industry. Thank God did they it. do that because you know what? Yeah. We're still talking about them now, right? right? Exactly. And these bikes didn't crack the sales numbers. I looked at the price point for the PC800. It was too expensive. The GB was too expensive. But that's all, but right. you know what? I think my premise is mm-hmm. that they were told you don't have to crack the sales numbers because mm-hmm. we got the other shit out here that's that's making Absolutely. us the money. Absolutely. So don't right. worry about that. Right. Build something that's going to be iconic yep. 30 years from now. Right. And guess what they did? Yeah. They built something that people are saying, shit, back yeah. in 89. It's 30 years ago. I know. 28 years ago. Right. So One of the big things is when they design new bikes and like a new platform is the tooling. Yeah, of you know, course. Of, of how they manufacture that motorcycle, and if they're manufacturing something that's going to be an albatross, yeah, and not exist beyond a year or two, right. they have millions of dollars worth of tooling that is going to go away. You know, or they're going to sell to uh, you know China that's going to make a bunch of knockoffs. Well, not necessarily. They can repurpose tooling, right. and yeah, I would, but that, I would, that's the thing is they have to repurpose the tooling. But I would venture oh. to guess too that on the PC800 there is enough of a platform that they had already coming out of some part of the <coughs> Oh yeah, under the plastic. It actually for, was uh, right. Sure. So, so the plastic is nothing <coughs> more than yeah. maybe early injection molding. The, yeah, the plastic has a, li- a lot less design. to do with the tooling. The tooling's right. more in the motor design and in the frame and, every, and all that. And the trick too is every company, every it doesn't matter. Your automotive or anything, you know, we are going to look back at some point at the Chrysler Prowler. Good right? example. Very good example. Well, yeah, no, you're that's right. a very no, good example. it's a very good example. Right? Yep. Um, the, There's a bunch of them. The, the HHR, Chrysler, the Chrysler Crossfire. Oh God, that thing. The Crossfire. Right. The uh, the PT Cruiser. PT Cruiser. Right. Um, and they sold a shitload of this those. This is the point. The point is, you're going to miss a lot, but when you hit a PT Cruiser and you sell those for the next 11 years, and you sell 1.9 million of them, mm-hmm. then you can lose, the the Prowler doesn't need to be your prof, your cash cow. Right. Do you remember fucking the first time a Viper came out, we all went, yeah. holy shit, Look at that. you can drive that? Yeah. Well, how many years did they make a Viper? A long fucking time. Yeah. Right? And it, the and the car has a reputation among collectors as being a hell of a lot of performance for a relatively low price point. Yep. And so... And reliable. Apparently. Yeah. I mean, I would never know, but among people that I talk to, mm-hmm. there's a lot of respect for that car. I have a customer that has a PT Cruiser... 
that is one of the first generations when it came from the factory with the fake wood on the sides. Yes. And yeah. he's got the, he lives on Rocky River Drive, and he's got the white wall tires on it with and moves. the moon hubcaps. Yeah, okay. And he's a street rod guy. <laughs> yeah. like, so he appreciates street rods. Yeah. When that PT, you know, there are a lot of throwback cars, the Camaro, the Dodge uh, Challenger Chargers, the Challenger in particular. And the These Camaro are is throwback Camaro. cars, right? Camaro. They're throwback. Because yep. what's old is cool. Yeah. And that PT Cruiser was one of the very first. And it was built on a goddamn Dodge Neon chassis. You're right. You're right. Completely. So, it is 100% a Dodge Neon huh? with a new body. Underneath it. So that's nice. <laughs> so you you, get, you save some money, but you also built something that turned out to be evergreen. Did they goose he's up got, the motor on the I don't know, but he's got 211,000 no. no. miles on his. Nice. So it it might be a good car. They have PT Cruiser clubs. Yes, they do. Well, I've been to the rally. Right. Nothing. Been to the rallies. Okay. Right. I've been Nothing. to the rally. Right. Yeah. And it is what it is. But so you can launch nine or ten projects like the like the Hawk, which are great motorcycles. Anybody will say a GT six fifty Hawk's a great bike. Yep. And a GB five hundred is a, it's a. It's a mediocre bike because it's basically just an XR500 made into a cafe racer, but it's still a, a great bike. Though. It's a mediocre bike performance numbers wise, but it's got fucking character, and they didn't sell a lot of them by any standard. Did they lose money? Probably. Well, in the fit and finish of a GB500 yeah. is very nice, extremely nice because yeah. it's Honda putting yeah. It's, right, I'm, their, I mean. Their, Stamp on it, yeah. They they didn't take a XR500 and put a cheap. No, kit they didn't on it. hack it up. No, no, they, they, they took an XR500 yeah. platform yeah. and they did a really nice right. job it's at making correct. a new motorcycle yeah. on top of it. So can we compare mm. and contrast? You've got a company Harley Davidson, yeah, and I might be speaking out of turn here, yeah. but they they build essentially the same mm-hmm. motorcycle year in and year Not out. Not this year. Well, well, okay, so this year could be that year. Okay, this but, could be but, their PT Cruiser. But prior to this year, yeah. they're, they're kind of building maybe the same motorcycle right. as opposed to some of these other... Is that the other, new Harley, the PT Cruiser? Well, <laughs> some of these other guys are building yeah. different units, yeah. trying to trying to capture different segments of the market. There's a real big thing going on right now, and it's motorcycle sales are dropping faster than anybody. Nobody could have predicted how bad sales are for every manufacturer. There's nobody winning right now. If you're winning, you're losing less than the other guy. That's all the definition of winning is right now in the motorcycle market. Everybody's taken one, and it's a bad one. And what they're finally admitting to, even the stalwarts like Harley-Davidson, are admitting that to the 25-year-old buyer, potential buyer, 25 to 35-year-old, when you ask him, why don't you want to own a motorcycle? Because they're finally asking the right fucking questions, not what motorcycle do you want. They're saying, why don't you own a motorcycle? Because my neighbor has one. And he's got a white beard, and he's fat, and he drinks shitty beer. And it's not cool. And he eats pizza. (laughs) And he's not cool. I'm sitting right here. Don't even talk about me like that. You're talking about me too, all right? And that's, that's what it is. And when they ask the guy who's the young guy who's the target of so much marketing, right? Yeah. Look, man, we've spent millions and millions and millions of dollars marketing to you. Have you seen the Ducati Scrambler ad? Have you seen the Ducati Scrambler display? Jesus fucking Christ. Have you seen the Ducati girls? Right. Brown leather seats as far as the eye can see. Skinny jeans. The whole thing. How many dudes in flannels do we have to put in the ad? Well, this is true. And 
you're you're exactly right. And like the hand tooled leather tool roll for your cell phone charger, you know, and whatever. Okay. But <laughs> that is the new point meaning is, to the word tool roll. But they put okay, they put all this money into it and they're still not hitting the mark. Who was their number one buyer last year for the Harley for the Ducati Scrambler? Forty six year old guys. Is, is it, it the price point? Oh. No, it's an under ten grand bike. Do you know why? Motorcycling is not cool to, and I'm talking pure averages here. Go ahead. Not to people we hang out with. Yeah. I'm talking about to average 25-year-old people. So the 25-year-old, so the 25 to 35-year-old demographic yeah. of people that are employed, of people that could be or should be spending money on market on motorcycles, at least 6% of them, right? They're not spending money on motorcycles. Why? Because my neighbor has a motorcycle. All right, so I got a follow-up question yeah. then. Would you venture to guess that motorcycle licensure, mm-hmm. driver's license, is dropping then precipitously? I'll also? tell you. I can I can give you a number for Go how ahead. much it's dropping. Hmm. The Ohio Motorcycle Safety Foundation, yeah, this year did not run one single experienced rider course. And how many would they run? Prior to this as year, many norm. as they fucking could. Well, what, three? No, 30? 16. 16, okay. Yeah. yeah, usually about twice a month. Yeah, at least. ERCs? Yeah. So yeah. so let's say they went yeah. from 16 down to zero? <clears throat> zero. That's experienced zero. motorcycle. Experienced rider course, meaning that you're a motorcycle rider, you've got... You've been riding for a couple of years. Yeah. You've got your license. You've got your license, you got your endorsement, and you're going to go back on your own motorcycle and learn how to ride it better. Okay, and yeah. what about people that are getting new licensure? Motorcycle safety, Emma, the, the on-skills test, the preparation for the on-skills test, our basic rider course here in the state of Ohio. Up or down? It's got to be down. Oh, it's crazy. I used to have people in the shop, a customer, I want to buy a bike, but I can't get my endorsement because i got to take the test. I, yeah. I want to take the course. And the soonest they can get me into the course is November, and it's March. Oh, and they won't let you sign up until January, right? So I would say, well, you know, it's 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 March, and if they can't get you until November, go to the class, stand by. Not everyone shows up for the class. They'll sneak you in, maybe, maybe not. This year and last year, when I tell people, well, contact the course, it may be a few months till they can get you in. Oh, no, no, I'm going into this weekend. <laughs> what do you mean? There's no wait? Not only is there no wait, they are canceling classes because they don't have enough students to run the class. Yeah. They can't afford to pay the instructors to come out and run the class because they don't have the requisite minimum number of students to run it. And they're pulling it from different uh, – they usually do them at community colleges and stuff in this yeah. area. They're pulling them because nobody's attending them. I got that a couple times from people this year too yeah. uh, where I was – about to prep them that like yeah. look you have to go and stand by you know and they're like oh no I'm 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 in next Thursday I called this morning yeah and I'm going in Thursday for class mm-hmm. so that's that doesn't happen unless there's a, a drought so is there a decrease in the population of, as these kids are growing up and hitting twenty five to thirty five like there were five kids in my family. When I was growing up. If you ask Elon Musk, he'll say there is because Elon Musk talks a lot about the inverted pyramid that we have our young people. We have too many old people and not enough young people to pay for their existence. Yeah, because I've only got three kids. Right. And there are five in my family. Right. So there's less than that. Right. Exactly. And I have no children. Yeah. 
So and there's a lot of people like me that have no children whatsoever. I've got one, and there are three in mine. So right, yeah. And you you have one daughter, and she has to support yeah. both of you. But and my life. sister has three, so she's eh, she, she's you know she's hooking me up. <laughs> <laughs> but so there is a, this big thing, and that is that Harley Davidson this year may be too late. We don't know, but Harley Davidson, if you look at their soft tail line, boy, holy shit, those new soft tails are really not embraced by fellas my age. Hmm. I saw a guy wearing a t-shirt that said, uh, remember, what did it say? Remember the Dyna? It said, remember <laughs> the Dyna, RIP 2017. And on the back it said, not my fucking Harley Davidson. And he's a guy 45 years old, 40 to 45 with a big beard. And I would call this guy a yeah, Harley. I'm 45. No, I would call this guy a Harley hipster. Like, I would say this guy's a Harley hipster. This is a guy that didn't own a Harley Davidson up until maybe five or ten years ago. And he had some very expensive brown boots on. And he had very nice jeans that were stylishly distressed. And he had some very stylish tribute type brotherhood gear that looked like it was probably expensive. Even though he was portraying dirt bike or dirt bag, he was portraying it with a very lovely smelling beard oil, you know, <laughs> a very herbal smelling, you know, manic you got close to this guy. Well, he was he surprised <laughs> me because they I, slowed I saw that I saw that R.I.P. of the Dyna, and I was like, really? I mean, are we really going to shed a tear for the goddamn Dyna? And not where I come from. <laughs> and what did he say? Well, did what, you ask him that? No, I didn't ask him, but I, I figured I didn't need to, to dive too deeply into his pool yeah. because he was wearing it all in his T-shirt. Yeah. And then when I went to the demo ride area for the new Harley-Davidsons, for every person that was like, yeah, I want to ride that 2018 <clears throat> Fat Bob that looks like it's a, a Kawasaki Mean Streak, which is what it exactly looks like, mm-hmm. uh, including the, the suspension system they straight up stole from Yamaha. Okay, great. <laughs> For every guy that was like, yeah, man, I want to ride that, that new Fat Bob, there were 15 guys going, oh, it's not my Harley Davidson. I would never do that. That is a blaspheme. And it's true. And the same thing happened when the rubber mount came out in Exactly. 79. When Evo came out. The same thing happened when yeah. the FXR came out. Oh, oh sweet God. baby Jesus. How dare you do that to a superglide? Exactly. Right. And <laughs> how so, how right. dare you call that thing a superglide? You got it. I totally agree. I completely agree. And that's just (laughs) where we are. Now, is this going to do it? Is this going to convince a 25-year-old to go out and buy a Harley-Davidson? No. The same thing happened when they stopped using the shared crank pin. Well, they they didn't stop that. They never did. (laughs) Wait, sorry. They still do that. But I really wonder. The number is still 12345-37. (laughs) (laughs) And it's been that way since 1914. 1937. It's been since 1937. That's the magic of Harley Davidson part numbers. And they're off. You never have to wonder what year they were made. When was that part designed? Oh, it's the dash. It's like early firearms. The, uh, yeah. And early tanks too. Why do you think like, the 1911 is right, called a 1911? But the uh, but I really kind of as a person whose livelihood is tied to people purchasing bikes, I'm fucked, and that's the nicest possible way to put it. Because there is not one manufacturer out there today that is winning, and that's true. There's not one that's winning. 
when in the motorcycle world, everybody's losing. Some are losing more than others. And Indian right now, as much as, come on, as much as you say that Indian is winning, remember, their, only num- their numbers are only good because they just cut the dead weight of victory. Mm. So no longer having to pay the victory division puts a little more money in the coffer for the Indian division. For a short period of time. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> we all understand that's a short, yeah, mm. that's a short turn on that. But it's a, it's a really weird time right now. And if the marketing guys can't get their shit together uh, and infuse a little fun because they put everything they had into that 90s, you've got money. You want to show people you got money? Better get yourself a Harley Davidson. That was in the 80s. You want to show that you're doing well? You want to show that you're successful? Malcolm Forbes has one. And it just went from being old white men to their neighbors and other people at the golf club, at the country club, and then to the people that wanted to show that they had done well, so they bought a Harley. And that worked really good until you couldn't market the boomers anymore because the boomers were unable to ride the fucking things. Well, it's not even just that community because, I mean, you look at my neighborhood where I live. It is working class. Oh, you bet your ass it is. To the T. Right. And the majority, and there's a lot of motorcycle owners in my community. And the majority are Harley guys. And, and how the, cool are those guys to the average 25-year-old? Not cool at all. Exactly. They yeah. are not cool at all. But they right. love their goddamn Harleys, and yeah. they're going to fire them up and rip around yeah. the neighborhood and yeah. go about as far as the bar that's over there. Oh, well, yeah. You know? and, and as a whole, I don't, I don't like it when I'm sitting in my, front, you know, my living room, which is 60 feet away from Lake Road, 70 feet away from Lake Road, you know, U.S. Route 6. And I don't like it when I hear, oh... Oh shit! It's that Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's I that know. Sunday. Oh. <laughs> and it's the fucking. It's the. It is literally the Viagra parade. It is the. Oh god! They go like twenty miles an hour. I've got something so horrible. I've got something. Ride. I've got yeah. something active between my legs for the first time this month, and I'm gonna ride it as long as I can. And that's what happens. And you look out and you're like, that ride is like, it is the flab ride. It, it's, it is. Well, they all got stuffed animals, though. Yeah. To deliver it is the, the slowest ride, ride ever. Well, okay, when I was a child, do you know why you didn't go to the biker bar? No. Couldn't get the shit beat out of you. Exactly. You might, you might act up, you might say the wrong thing, and get the shit beat out of you. Do you know why I don't go to the biker bar today? Because you get your, your ass sore slapped a couple of times. No, my ears hurt. Your ears hurt. From listening to stories <laughs> about... Stories, eh? Hey, when I used to ride the RD 350... That first Harley Hummer I had... And I'm like... Yeah. I remember when Harley made dirt bikes. They were the best dirt bikes around. Well, yeah, and that's why you don't go to a biker bar. You don't go to a biker bar because you don't worry. You're not worried about getting the shit kicked out of you. You're worried about getting bored to death. Bored to death. Yeah. You're worried about making a new friend <laughs> that you can't shake for the next twenty years until you're at his funeral. You know. 
Uh, that's why you don't go to biker bars. You know, we got a biker biker bar on the street. Why do I not hang out there? Why? Because it's a bunch of fifty to seventy year old white guys talking about how strong they used to be, or how virile they used to be, or how fast they used to be. Fuck, man, that's not I. I <laughs> who, who cares? Who gives a fuck? And I have to listen to that shit in here to try and sell motorcycles. Oh, God, and the know? worst part is that's, that's like a cop biker bar. No, they are associated with anything that is white male. So cop, military, firefighter, yep. paramedic, they got all your patches up on the wall. Oh, because Sean was a Marine. and They want to make sure that you know that you're in a place of comfort there. Hmm. Surrounded by various symbols of Americana. For white Republicans. Approved, yeah. And it's not, no, you know what, I'm not even going to say it's for white Republicans. What I'll say is, that is not a bar where you see a lot of cultural diversity. True. Right. Or mechanical diversity. The only black guys there are playing in the band. Or mental diversity. Also true. (laughs) Right. But it's just, that's the kind of thing. And that's why I don't want to go in a particular bar. Because it's just boring. It's not cool. So Honda had a... A video out recently within the last week or yeah. so about their new introduction of their Goldwing. Right, the new Goldwing. Mm-hmm. So, right. so I did not see this. Wing. So I'm I won't be able to tell you all the. Tell me one thing. That, tell me one thing. Because I mean, the Goldwing is a stayed platform, removable trunk. <laughs> Do you mean just the big middle piece? Yeah. Okay. All right. Removable right. saddlebags. USB ports, well, of course, MP3 I mean, yeah. player. All, I mean, but, yeah. you know, I, I think of a, a Goldwing as, you know, uh, you get it on and just go. They, they, so they completely... No, I think when they came out with the first Goldwing 1500, yeah. um, it had a, a real respectable 0 to 60 that was in the same neighborhood as a CBR900RR. Uh, when that first 1500 came out, they had the yellow one that was just like... And I my friend bought one, and I went... And he was like, Phil, you want to take it out for a ride? And I was like, well, I want to, but I can't fix it if I break it. Like, <laughs> I've read about the bike, and I know it's quick. And I ride quick bikes. But this is quick with a lot of weight associated with it. And uh, Rich was nice enough to throw me the keys. And when I turned on the dashboard, when I turned on the bike, a little display on the digital dash said, hello, welcome to Harley Eater or something like that. I was like, okay, this is going to be kind of funny because he's a guy who historically had Harleys and his wife had a Harley and everything else. But he got the Goldwing, the brand new yellow, fasty, fast 1500 Goldwing. I took it out and I was fucking impressed by how quick this thing got out of its way. And then I was also impressed with how how amazing it stopped considering its weight. Yeah. And it was easy to drive through the twisties. And I was really blown away by the, the new 1500cc when that Goldwing came out, this latest generation. Pretty goddamn impressive. So for Goldwing to even beat that, the only reason I wouldn't, I can't be excited about a Goldwing is because I have the, the knowledge of knowing how the sausage is made. And every Goldwing in the world will eventually be 10 years old. And when that Goldwing is 10 years old, it will have a problem that the Honda engineers have put there to make you have to buy another Goldwing. And when it has that problem... Then they'll sell it to you for buck a CC and... Uh, but then we it. got problems too, a.k.a. every Goldwing that's ever come into this shop. 
You see that look on his face? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a look of disgust. <laughs> right. A look of defeat. Right. If you want to know what a man's dick in the dirt looks like, it's that look for every every 10 plus year old goldwing that comes in here. And that's not even for the modern ones that have no. the that have the electrical manual. Right. The 297 page electrical manual. Service manual. Right. And then you have the electrical, electrical manual. Cuz there's a 19 small miles book. Yeah, there's 19 miles of wire in the bike. And so what they've done with the new ones is to make them better. Now that 19 miles of wire is can bus. <laughs> Which means, so when you try to add any one of the 93 million accessories that you want to put on your Goldwing, because you have Goldwing in your DNA, which means you have to buy lighty, flashy things to put on it, <laughs> and you splice into one thing or like change the taillight bulb into an LED flashy one, now mysteriously at 85 miles an hour, your bike stops being a motorcycle and starts being a 780-pound paperweight. Mm-hmm. Because engineers are so good at what they do. The problem is the best engineer in the world can't fucking compensate for Uncle Teddy when he's got the J.C. Whitney catalog in his hand. (laughs) Okay, forget the whole idea. No, no, but what I'm saying is I want to know about... Because I saw the images and the pictures. I didn't read anything about it. There's there's a little three-minute video. Does it have a giant ass that jumps out of the dashboard to help you in case of a collision? Does the new airbag have... Does the new... Does the new Goldwing have an airbag? I think it does. It does. I'm almost positive it does. And... I think it's shaft drive. They're all shaft drive, yeah. They've always been since 75, shaft drive, but... The real important things to the Goldwing would be... I'm seeing a bunch of them that have. Getting the weight weight a little lower. Getting the weight more maneuverable. Um, Yeah, right. Yeah. see. Yeah, the the Earl's front fork. Leading league front fork? Is that on the new one? I have no idea. I don't know. I I keep finding the picture. Well, that front end is is very important. Uh, But... I think that hub hub center steering traction control cornering that, cornering that, ABS. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Is that now? Electronic suspension, engine modes, blah 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 blah, believed to be coming for 2018 Goldwing. Oh, shit! Oh, I got it! 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 Didn't you do that last week? No, Chris no, did. I caught it this week. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, Redeem so myself. I don't want to just come out straight up and just hate on Goldwings because that's not the thing. Is I'm not hating on Goldwings. What I'm saying is, as long as the technology that they're putting into them is kick-ass. Like, I've thought for a long time, if your motorcycle weighs more than 600 pounds, there's no excuse for it not having some element of reverse on it. Because a reverse... I agree with that. A reverse, to build it into the system, Goldwings were... They had reverse on Goldwings in like 83 or something. A very basic, running a starter motor backwards kind of deal. Uh... Anybody who's pushed a Harley-Davidson's back or a big Kawasaki 1500 backwards, even if there's any kind of a, a hill in your driveway, once a motorcycle weighs a certain amount, it just seems like it would be kind to the manufacturer to spend an extra 100, 200 bucks in parts and put a fucking reverse on the thing. Do you need, do you need to have a, a backup beep? No, I don't need to. Beep, beep, it'll be, beep, it'll be beep. funnier if it does, because every time I'm on a Goldwing at the shop and I put it in reverse <laughs> and I hit the backwards you button, just naturally oh, I naturally do it. I make the beep, beep sound. Hell yeah. Um, I do it just out of course. I, you can't stop me from doing it. But, the, uh, but I agree. I think that a smart thing would be 
Think about every time you have a difficulty with your motorcycle. You know, okay, I, I can't stand pushing big, heavy bikes backwards. Mm-hmm. There's a loss of control, a lack of control. The bike can tip either way, possibly hurt me, whatever. Sure, man, if it costs a couple of hundred bucks to throw a reverse on that thing, throw a reverse on it. That's cool. You know, um, I don't always have a passenger with me to push me backwards kind of thing. Uh, I'm not always in a position that's advantageous to get good purchase of my feet, push the bike backwards. So it's a safety factor if a heavy motorcycle has to reverse. What are some other things that would just be, you know, I like to say, we're trying, my whole thing for this year is I want to do, my whole mantra for this year is I want to ride smarter. So I want to ride smarter. I want my whole motorcycle experience. I want the shop to be about riding smarter. I don't want to propagate something just because it's, so where is that going to start? What's, what's an example of that? An example of that would be like we're doing more with zero motorcycles, because I think really that is smarter. I think that's a smarter way to do motorcycles. I agree. Um, we got rid of the Enfields, and we got in the zeros. Because with the Enfields, we were beating ourselves to death on warranty claims, and we were beating ourselves to get death on sort of uh, some dissatisfied customers that we were trying to satisfy, but they kept having mechanical problems. Hmm. And so we were looking bad because of that, yet we didn't build the bike. So we went to zero. So we're riding smarter. And we're trying to do more. You'll see far less of the the Chinese, the Kimco scooters. And you'll see a lot more of the Piaggio scooters and the Vespa scooters. We're trying to ride smarter. Cleveland Cycle Works, are you bringing them back? (laughs) Shut up. Once again, going for the low-hanging fruit. (laughs) Right. Going to punch you in the dick. Right. And it's, but it's, that's another thing, too. Right. And we looked at, we looked at the... Uh, we looked at the Gen Z scooters, the electric scooters, right? Because that was something we thought could be really yeah. cool. Yeah. But for 3200 bucks, they wouldn't go over 30 miles an hour. We tried them. We, we brought them here. We had the company bring them out, and we demoed the crap out of them. But there was a shortcoming there. So rather than getting involved just so we could be the early adopter and be the place you had to go to get them, yeah. which is what we did with the electric bicycles, the A2Bs, yeah. wasted a lot of energy with that. So that's not being smarter. We're trying to be smarter. So we're putting energy into the Moto Guzzi products that we know are good sellers that we really, really love. And we're not putting so much energy into the ones that we've, that we've had problems with in the past or that we've had trouble with the customers who own them kind of thing. So we're trying to be smarter. And I'm trying to do that personally, too. So I'm trying to ride smarter, be smarter, because I can't outspend the problem. Nope. I just can't do it. So I can't outspend nope. the problem. I don't have the budget to. All I can try to do is outthink it. So you work with what you got. We're trying to do that here. So if there's an element about motorcycling that I think I'd like to change or could change for myself, I want to do that. It, one of the dumbest things, we talk about doing things smarter. I have, to me, a new Toyota Tundra truck, 2008. It only has 130,000 miles on it, so it's barely broken in. Yeah. So I decided this year to lower it. So I lowered it six inches. So now I can put the bikes, which is what that truck does for a living, is haul motorcycles. Well, now it's easier to get them in and out. That's smarter. And I got a guy engineering a tailgate for me that is that is a three-part fold-out tailgate that ultimately ends up being a five-foot-wide ramp that you can ride the bikes right back, right up into the back of the truck. Nice. That's smarter. I'm paying a guy 900 bucks to build that for me. 
So a thousand bucks to build it for me. So we're trying to be smarter. We're just trying to, as as we're doing everything, we're just trying to do it smarter. So, and it's part of the consolidation you're seeing around here with the other shop and everything too. So when I look at bikes, man, I I try to come up with all these ideas like what would make that bike smarter. And uh, every once in a while I come up with something, or I don't, or I see something just bone stupid and I can't figure out. <laughs> you know, like, like you're like, oh god damn it, they still haven't figured out a solution for that yet. Hmm. And it's it's tough when you're in the motorcycling thing because so much of motorcycling is visceral. So much of motorcycling is heart pulling at your heartstrings and and taking you out and giving you this like, you know, I want to be Steve McQueen, but I'm not Steve McQueen. God damn it. Uh, so I'm going to replicate Steve McQueen by buying a Steve McQueen type motorcycle, or am I going to buy something that I actually need? You know, uh, there's no reason for me to own a 200 mile per hour motorcycle. Well, last year I discovered there's no reason for me to own a 120 mile an hour motorcycle because I kind of kept track of it. Last year I went 120 miles an hour exactly one time. And you climb <clears> here, <throat> going down I ninety. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of a hump, a little bit. But I mean, like I'm not riding. I'm not. My behaviors have changed, so it's foolish for me to even look at things that aren't in my wheelhouse. There's that fantasy idea of like I'm going to take a cross country trip, so I need to own a motorcycle that's infinitely comfortable for taking a cross country trip. Well, it's been a long time since I've taken a cross country trip. It's been a long time since you've had the time to do that, too. Also true. Also true. Yeah. And I off, I do wonder if I were to have a month of vacation. Ample time. Right. If I had a month of vacation, would I do that cross-country trip, or would I fly somewhere and rent a motorcycle? Always a great idea. And I'm thinking that in my life, it's foolish for me to own a cross-country touring machine when the extent of my touring is usually 50 to 75 miles each way. I mean, it'd probably be more fun to fly to the the West Coast. Or anywhere. Rent a bike. Yeah. And, you know, ride, what is that, Highway 1? Oh, I'd love to go up to Maine and rent a motorcycle. And yeah, or that to too. And stuff Hell yeah. And, and, you know, Newfoundland. see parts of the world I've never seen yeah. on a motorcycle before. Yeah. Well, there's that whole wine country in Northern California that have the exact same parallel to it on the East Side, yeah, on the on East, East Coast, Coast by Maine. Sure. Do East Coast wine country. Sure. I mean, I mean, I think that would be an awesome tour. I really do. I, but the idea to me of having a specific, having a $20,000 piece of equipment that is built garage. to specifically do that in my garage, that every other time I ride it, it's inappropriate for the task. No, fuck there. Go there. Right. Go there rent and rent it, one. Right. And, and it's the ride. same thing. You know, yeah. you know, Mrs. Waters and I have this agreement. That I will never own a boat, but I have permission to rent them whenever the fuck I want. I will never own. <laughs> an, uh, right, I will never own an That's RV. Good. Yeah, but I have permission to rent them whenever the fuck I want. So, well, Mrs. You will Smith never own an RV, the, you know, but you've got a bus. Yeah, well, that's a bus. It's twenty three hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah we got the honey, same agreement. I'm not allowed to own a school bus, right? But I can ride on one. <laughs> but I can ride on one whenever I like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah, I'm, I, sorry. I, yeah, I'm not when, in the back end. I'm not allowed story. to have a when uh, Phil picks you up, does Mrs. Smith walk you up to the corner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Open the door. Come on, come on, Chris. Time to go to the party. Put yes, your helmet please. on. We're going to AMA Vintage Days. Put your helmet on. In the future. Yeah. But I really you do. Have your snack, honey. I really do think that with the motorcycling thing, I'm trying to be a little smarter about it. I'm trying to, you know, you guys see what's going on. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. everything's for sale, man. I need to yeah. greatly reduce. 
Yeah. Uh, this week alone, I put up the the Motoguzzi 850T3, my Kawasaki S3 triple two-stroke. That's been listed. Uh, I'm aggressively going after those small folding green items to replace the big not folding yeah, was, heavy, heavy metal items. Just on, yeah. on Marketplace alone, you've got like... What's that? You've got like... You can say it. You got like fifty thousand dollars worth of motorcycles. Yeah, listed. I've got about fifty grand worth of motorcycles <laughs> listed right now, and I got about another and seventy-five grand that I need to put and up. It was there. really scary because I'm yeah. looking at the, what you've got listed, and I'm yeah. like, that's not even the tip of the iceberg. No, it's you, not the tip of the iceberg. Got <laughs> no, what you, the, the part of the iceberg you can't see would take down many Titanics. The uh, and this right here, I mean, right behind us right now is you know sixty grand, sixty eighty grand worth of vintage Italian scooters. That need to find a home, and I w- I could do smarter things with the money than invest in Italian metal. You know, that's right now. I'm I'm an investor. I'm I'm an investor in Italian vintage metal, and that's what I've got sitting behind us right now. And over at the East Side store, it's Japanese vintage metal. You know, I've got many 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 cylinders worth of <laughs> Japanese metal over there. And it's just, it would be oh, more there's that fun. that whole, like, room that's the phantom zone. I, we opened, we emptied it. <laughs> really? Yeah, we emptied it. Where'd and I've been go? selling them off. Oh. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, Is I've that sold. that little crazy room in Middle Earth? Yeah, in Middle Earth. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The room that shouldn't be there? Yeah. That has 12 random motorcycles in it? Yeah. But and, the, like, uh, 42 doors that go yes. to it? Yeah. <laughs> I stumbled so on that looking for the restroom. It's like, <gasps> if no. you figure it out, Chris, you let me know. <laughs> So it's just because you know who randomly around. Do you know who has Facebook? Every Everyone. swinging dick. Yeah. And you know who I'm letting know about this? Facebook. Yeah. If you if you open up Facebook and at the very top of it where there's that blank field, you can just put anything in there. Yeah. You put that in Facebook, you're going to get a response. You type into that area at the top of Facebook <laughs> and just type in Vespa for sale. You guess what you're going to find? My shit. You're going to know about me. So everybody who's interested, I had somebody the other day tell me, I can't believe you had one of those. I've been looking for it for 15 years. I can't believe you had one. And you sold it as though I'd fucked that person over individually. Come on down. I got more. (laughs) And. So I wanted to make sure that I wasn't a I wasn't a cack in the situation. Cack, cack, yeah. cack. So I went and I looked, and I had that bike listed on Craigslist. On oh, and he was like, oh, and you sold it too cheaply, because the guy who's always late for because the buy cheaply is a word. The guy who's always late to the buy is always going to remind you that he would have given you more money. Of course, you fuck you. You're wrong. <laughs> One, you obviously weren't a serious customer because you missed it. So don't let you feeling bad about missing it translate into you saying something that's designed to make me feel bad about selling it. I tried to sell that fucking thing for goddamn... You remember the 96 Moto Guzzi Le Mans? 1100? With less than 6,000 miles on it? How hard did we work to sell that bike? We put it... We listed... I I drew pictures of it on the side of dogs and released them against the freeway. All the old dudes that came into the shop that were just like, oh, it's a bad spirit to be here. Fuck you. It's like, shut up and buy it. It was the red plague. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted it. And if it I was would, a gorgeous bike, too. It was too. a gorgeous bike, and it was fun to ride. But you know what? If I would have squeezed every person that wanted to talk about it for half an hour for $10, mm. I wouldn't have had to sell it. 
right? You're, this conversation is going to cost you ten bucks. I I remember walking into the showroom yeah. with Phil talking to old guys as they're on their way out. He's like, "Yeah, if this was a museum, I would have charged you five bucks when you came in the door." Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm in the wrong line of work. Should have been a museum. If I charged you five bucks, at least I would have made five bucks instead of losing an hour's worth of time talking to your dumbass about the one you saw in a parking lot in Bucyrus in 1997. <laughs> Bucyrus, I was there. And it was red. It was not. It was an upper Sandusky. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just that kind of a deal. She'll be up your Sandusky. So we're, I'm trying to just, I'm purging hard. I mean, this is the game. I, And I'll say this. I want to say it again. Owning a bunch of motorcycles. That is not a superpower. <laughs> it doesn't make you special. It doesn't even make you interesting. For a while, I thought it did. I was wrong. I'm here to help the future addicts. Quit now by not starting. <laughs> it is so easy to buy motorcycles. So, baby, sell. It is so hard to sell them. It is so easy to buy them. It is so hard. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Half an hour ago, we were talking about these young shitheads that aren't yeah. buying motorcycles. Now you're telling them not to buy motorcycles. I think each one of them should buy one. Or Come two, here tomorrow or and buy one of Phil's bikes. I can look at a mountain of them. But the point is, one guy doesn't need to have 50. I think that I could probably be happy with seven. Right? Kurt Edwards needs our help. What? No, I need, yeah, right. I Sorry, need my Kurt. fucking help. But, I mean, it might be three bikes. It might be four bikes. I don't think I'll ever own one bike. I haven't owned one bike since I was a child. But I don't think I'll ever own one bike again. But I'd like to try it for a couple of years. I'll give it a shot. Just to see what it feels like. I, think I have all these other ones I can ride. <laughs> That's it. But, you know... I could deal with one. Yeah, I mean, if you had one bike, but you could play around on other ones occasionally. So, the uh, it's it has always been a it has always been a thing for me. I've just had too many fucking bikes. I can't say no. I I'm that I'm the lady who has forty cats because they all need my help desperately, or the poor things are going to suffer and die out there in the cold. So, or you need their help, or whatever. Exactly. Jeez. But I need to feel better about myself, so I buy a motorcycle. So, how many automobiles do you have? <laughs> No, I don't like cars, but I have too many of them. But like, I have, I have trucks. I have work trucks, and I have these little tiny Japanese things. I sold two of those today. Well, those are yeah, those today. Are, yeah, today. Those nice. are transient yeah. at the moment. They're, they're, well, that's those that's are, rolling stock. That's those are chickens. Yeah. So, so, so you're flipping them. them. Oh, they're flipping fast. Yeah. That's my winter hobby. My winter hobby is the Japanese domestic market cars, the little weird cars that don't come here very often. And people are into them, and so that's good. It's fun. And I'm starting to get into like little Mitsubishi 4x4s and stuff. <clears> They're also little weird cars that are fun. Are you joining clubs? If you can find me a no, Samba. No, or, or I'm still not a club guy. <laughs> if, you, if you can find me a Samba at a good price, you know. Uh, no, no, Dustin. Mm-hmm. There is no finding you Japanese. a Suzuki Sandbar at a good price. All you need no, to do is put $2,000. Subaru. It's just the same. Yeah. I can point you at a thing right now that has 150 of them. Oh, okay. You just need to put $2,000 right there. Oh, okay. And one will materialize in 30 days. Yeah. <laughs> That's how hard it is. Ta-da. 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 Samba. Right. Samba. Right. Yeah. And if you want a K-truck, the government's Ta-da. actually putting a 25% tariff on uh, K-trucks. Those little white uh, micro trucks that you see running around. The U.S. government put a 25% tariff on them. Why? None of your business. Apparently, too. 
Apparently, <laughs> apparently, too many hillbillies in Texas were making businesses out of selling little Japanese cars. Well, and the uncle, uncle Sam wanted to get twenty five percent of that. So the uh, so yeah, my uh, one of the customs guys that I work with just told me that I was looking at a couple of them, and I, I ran it past my it customs up. guy, and my customs guy was like, "Just so you know." You're going to pay 25% tariff on those for everyone you bring in. Bullshit. I said, oh, that's something. I, I hadn't really thought about that. and Because I've owned them before. They're well, fun. to stick with the van, then. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. So, yeah, but it's just a it's just a funny thing. So, yeah, if anybody wants to buy uh, anything, if you, have a, if you have a motorcycle... Fall before midnight today. Right, if you have a motorcycle you've been thinking about... I want one of those damn hearses. Oh, those Japanese, Japanese hearses. Japanese hearses. Oh, my God, looks like yeah. a it uh, looks like a pagoda. It's, it's a, like a gold a, pagoda yes. on top of a sedan. Yes. And it's right hand drive. It's right hand drive. Yeah. Has room. I mean, I want to take the hearse I want to take the hearse part, the pagoda part, and put it in my backyard and make a playhouse out of it. <laughs> and then just have this black a playhouse. This black Toyota crown. I just want to have one to drive around <coughs> smoke dope in. El Camino. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it just looks like it should have the smell of incense. It should emanating from it. It should be an opium den. <laughs> I mean, it should literally be a drive-up opium just den. Walk yeah. up to the car, drive yeah. through, opium. drive through opium den. Pull the hose out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. That's what always happens when I drive up. They're always pulling the hose out. Pull the hose out. Yeah. The, yeah. But if anybody's interested oh, and wants me to put my money where my mouth is, uh, I have been selling some bikes at some attractive, no, inordinately low prices. I gave away two Hondas, Honda VT750s, gave them away for free. Yeah. And I still have, I think, a VT500 Shadow hiding in John McElfresh's garage. <laughs> I've got uh, a 66305 for sale. There you go. Pimp that shit. Yeah. Tell people. I'm telling you. It's a fucking super hawk. That's right. Yeah, and it runs. Collector's item. Yeah. <laughs> and it's black. Black. Yep. It's, it's titled. That's it's, right. It's historical plated. Everything's running great. What's the uh, What's the buyer's... I'm not going to list prices on anything, but here's you got a lot of people listening to this shit. And there's nothing wrong with owning a Superhawk. Twenty five hundred bucks. Twenty five hundred. That is a that's good, a good price. That's price. a smoking deal. That, that, that is, is a smoking good deal. price. So if you, I mean, that will tell you the quality of the buyers. If somebody doesn't buy that bike, and because I've ridden that bike, yeah, that's a good bike. It yeah. has the flat handlebars. It's got yeah. the factory original racing handlebars, the, the flat mm-hmm. ones. Uh, that is a cool bike. If they don't buy that for twenty five hundred bucks, they, fuck you. They ain't. They ain't <laughs> you know what? That's one of those things I say. If they weren't gonna, if they're not gonna buy that at twenty five hundred bucks, they ain't gonna buy shit. Those bikes were just cool. I mean, they're little cool things about them, the way the the way the foot gear is the, adjustable, the backwards Kickstarter, the backwards Kickstarter. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that actually. But That's my favorite, least the, favorite part I, of that I, bike. The, the way the foot the gear is adjustable. Back. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, they're fucking just, cool. You can move them. Yeah. For, they're infinitely adjustable yes. pegs. Yeah. yeah. Just, they were very smart motorcycles. They really were. And that motorcycle's got my old motor in it. Got my red bike motor in it. It's a good motor. I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. It's a good setup. The uh, I think that's uh, I think twenty five hundred dollars is a steal. Because I mean, I'm looking over at that. Uh, there's that. 
one of those Kimco Agility 125s. Mm-hmm. That'll cost you 2500 bucks, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And nobody's having sex on that. Nobody. No. I don't care how big your personality is. Nobody's, I don't think Chris is having sex there on is his 305. Hey, 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 hey. Hey, hey. You can have... You can get some old man dick at Mid Ohio if you're riding. <laughs> if you're riding a Superhawk, if you want old man dick, you're gonna have two or three old men popping a Viagra in your general direction. According yeah. to the ad, hear that, Chris? Yeah. According Don't to ride the Superhawk to Mid Ohio. Day, Jan Smithers would ride on one of those, would you? Uh, I'm sorry. Do you know who rode a Superhawk? Serpico. Ah, no shit. There How you do you go. get cooler than that? I got a picture of Clint Eastwood riding a Superhawk with a fucking chick on the back that is impossible. Ooh. Yeah, in, in circa like 1968 or 69. A young Clint Eastwood with a girl on the back who only I can only describe her as being impossibly aerodynamic. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, There's the only way to describe that woman. Well. Very clean signature <laughs> through the air. Yeah, yeah. She was I like a, it. Yeah, she was a maiden form girl, I think. Uh, but whatever, she's on the back there's of a Superhawk. There, there's a reference that goes way back. She's a, on the back of a Superhawk with a with maiden form girl. She's a maiden form girl. <laughs> definitely a maiden form girl. We are yeah. up to about two, hours. about two hours. Oh my god, they should have stopped us hours ago. Uh, <laughs> they should. All right, so that's it. Anybody got any news to report other than? I hope that wasn't the last time we heard from Pete. Pete's in South Africa. <laughs> yeah, Pete's in South Africa. Bill Tong. Yeah. Hopefully, he doesn't come back with diseases. Um, and <laughs> yeah. And just if he brings any meat back with him, don't eat it. It's South Africa. It's fine. It's, it's bush meat. No, it's not. It's, bush it's meat. South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a real exotic place. It's like Wisconsin. <laughs> it's the Wisconsin. Yeah, there's Africa. fucking Serpico. Look at that shit. That's Serpico, mm-hmm. man. That's, that's the yeah. unit right there. How cool yeah, is that? that? Nice. The same handlebars as your bike. Like that is the exact same as your bike. Yeah, that is the Serpico machine right there. I always thought that was cool. When I watched that movie, I was like, oh. Because I was like, that would be the right bike for him. He's not a Harley guy. No. Mm-hmm. No. Uh-uh. Chris's new no, nickname he was is cutting Serpico. Edge. Yeah, he was cutting edge. He was Serpisky. He could talk to the young kids. Yeah. Like, you know, he could relate. Serpice Smith. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course, you know. Smith. <laughs> Sean Connery had to ride a Moto Guzzi. Uh Magnum Force. Clint Eastwood wrote him. Sean Connery. Stolen. Borrowed. Borrowed, please, but Borrowed, yeah. but Motoguzzi, nonetheless. Borrowed, with a Oh, there you go. That's, That's the... just what... sorry, man. I'm sorry, man. You just said sorry. <laughs> There's the we'll talk about it tomorrow. There is the PS process. Yeah, well, that's Steve McQueen right next to a Superhawk with a hot chick. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Yeah, gets no cooler than yeah. the McQueen. And you know why she has a bandana on her head? Because you know what's coming next. Something you can use to tire up with. (laughs) (laughs) Well, to wipe off. To to keep that $300 hairdo from getting screwed up (laughs) on the back of that motorcycle. Nobody on that picture, nobody in that picture would even consider wearing a helmet. Like, that's how cool they were. Like, that's how absolutely cool they were. That that Steve McQueen. But that was long before head injuries. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Long before head injuries were invented. <laughs> that, was, that was football helmets. That was when three out of four doctors recommended Winston. They didn't, right. they didn't start head injuries till the 1980s. Yeah, I mean, it was just good population control. You know what? It took away, it took away not only the dumb people, but the unskilled people, too. So it was truly the, the, the top tier. Then why do we still have dumb, unskilled people? 
Not enough of them are buying motorcycles. No, we still have dumb, unskilled people because, once again, they we are not thinning the herd enough. <laughs> right. Apparently they, they not. Agreed. Do you know why? I, I have to attribute it to two things. One, no more concrete playgrounds. <laughs> yeah, they, they got rid of all that. The big metal <laughs> rocket ship thing that you climb up and slide down the poles, the big 22-foot-tall swing sets yeah, on the, the concrete sp- asphalt park, parking lot playgrounds, that's what kept our country on the leading edge of technology. <laughs> and if you look, it's the countries that didn't get rid of the concrete playgrounds who are beating our ass right now in school test scores. Yeah, because yeah, they're cause they're Andy Jasons of, of the world are are now dead. <laughs> Trying to go over the bar. I'm gonna go over the bar. I'm gonna swing over the bar. And it's so true. You think about like look at China and what they're doing to us on an average grade schooler level, you know, how intelligent the average person there is. And it's because the dumb ones don't make it through primary school. That's such a cute <laughs> and We have these beautiful uh, mulched out playgrounds and shit where you couldn't get hurt if you tried. What you looking at? Which picture are you looking at? Which one? Yeah, right? Yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah, yeah. She's aerodynamically correct as well. Oh, 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 even, yeah. Even on a monkey mm-hmm. bike, she's aerodynamically correct. You know but, what? She's just got cute titties. That's, that's the end of it. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so I think we need to remind people to, for the sake of humanity as a whole, Drive we should fast ride fast and, and take chances. Press the button. Press the button.